Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. All right. Welcome, Gabriel Zaleski. Well, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on Magic Without Fears. I was hoping to get a Zaleski on at some point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a funny thing. I don't actually think I'm related to them, at least in any close way. But it's a it's a fun little synchronicity. It will different last name spelling, right? Yeah, yeah. But when my uh, when my family... yours is spelt the way his is pronounced. Yeah, which um, is funny. Yeah, and I think there is a possibility of there being a relation just like kind of prior to the immigration, because I know that when my family immigrated, uh, they changed their name, uh, a little bit. Uh, they, the, the original spelling ends with a Y and I believe there's like another a or another L or something in there. And it's, it's Russian, but they, I guess we're not, uh, letting Russians immigrate at that time very easily. So they said they changed the spelling and said they were Polish. Yeah. Yeah. That happened a lot. Um, One of, one of the branches of my family's names somehow when it came to North America, I changed into precious, which Uh, is not what it was originally. (laughs) As far as my research shows, it was either like some form of precios or priest house out of England. So, but it's hard to say, and, and everyone in my family is crazy, so they never tell the truth. We don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, things are lost to time that way sometimes. So oh my grand my grandma and her brother before he passed, they would bicker fiercely about whether or not um, you know, their dad left Dublin as a boy or as a grown man. Hmm. Like you know, as a like middle-aged man. And it's like, you'd think these be the kind of things you could just find out and research. And they're like, but they like to argue. They like enjoy the arguing about it too much. They just, if they didn't argue about that, they probably have no reason to talk to each other. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes a little bit of friction's good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about Kenneth Grant, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I can expound at length on on that whole uh, subject. <laughs> That's very very exciting. I'm 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 glad to do so, especially since I've been rereading the only Kenneth Grant book I ever read, and uh, I didn't just read it; I wrote extensively on it and, and practiced with different aspects of its information. Okay, and what, that was what... the Night Side of Eden back in uh, so like 90, 98, 99, 2000. I was working heavily with it. Okay, cool. cool. That, that was the first one that I was introduced to as well, actually. Uh, What's your take on it? Let's get into it. Uh, on him as a whole or? Oh, no, it's like Night Side of Eden. Like when, when you first, that was the first one you got into as well. Yep. And clearly you kept going. Yeah, well, I, uh, at that point, I had joined a coven and one of the leaders of the coven Uh, happened to have that book and said, uh, here, I think you'd really get something out of this. Uh, And so I, uh, I took that as a sign and I'd had uh, an attraction to Kenneth Grant going way, way back. Uh, 
so you know it, it was one of those things where it's like the the stars aligned and we're like all right well you've tossed around the idea of acquiring this guy's books uh and, and diving deep into it for a long time and now you know here you are it's in your lap do it you know um and so i did and I found it to be very informative and enlightening, uh, opened up a lot of doorways <laughs> in, in my life. And uh, yeah. Uh, doorways, or did it open up zones? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, either or. Yeah. <laughs> what does he mean when he talks about zones? When Kenneth Grant said, he, he talks a lot about zones. He does. Um, well, He's not talking like the end zone, right? As in hockey. No, no, I, um, I guess for my own personal, uh, workings with all of this, I, I think he's, it's, it's a, it's the other side. Uh, it's the place you go where you, when you smoke a lot of DMT <laughs> and, uh, is it? I, I, yeah, I would say so. Um, I've, <laughs> I've done extensive work with, uh, ritual magic and, heavy psychedelic use um and it it works great it works like a charm but you can't be the type of person that does it flippantly or that does it in a oh i'm gonna party and also be an alcoholic and you know indulge in uh you know the negative drugs i guess uh and and expect you to not throw you off um yeah so, yeah, I, the warnings that I that you read uh, in lots of books, you know, Eliphas, Levi and, and Crowley and everybody else that, you know, are very insistent that, you know, if you open the door and you start doing this stuff, you really have to do it and you have to take it seriously. Otherwise, it'll you'll crash, you'll crash and burn um, because you are playing with demons. And if you let the demons run things then they're going to run you straight into a wall so you kind of have to step up and be uh be the devil you know you have to be the ruler of of your own demons um and you can't do that if you're handing the reins over to you know alcohol seems to be the big one that i've noticed that people have a real issue with um when dealing with this stuff and, ha and having them kind of thrown off the path you know um i've 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 determined that that i think is primarily an uh an issue in certain places like this is a very big american issue yeah, oh yeah it's not a big Amer canadian issue okay and i realized this after living there for 14 months up and through part of covid See, this is something you Americans often don't understand. This, I'm not I'm not making a trite point here at all. This is actually a huge point. And sometimes, you know, major understandings uh, can shift by just getting a tiny piece of information. Mm -hmm. The thing I realized was you guys don't know how expensive it is up here. It is expensive. Yeah, I've been it's to Canada a few like, times. So, like, my favorite scotch in the States costs $50. Here it costs $200. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's not a small thing like the like, let's just get it all out there in the States. You can buy a bottle of wine for a dollar or two here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheapest one is like nine, ten dollars. And that's more. That's the same as our minimum wage. That's so like 
it would cost you more than an hour of work to get a bottle of wine here. Same with like tequila, you're going to spend $33, $35 for the cheapest one you can find. Wow. And that's, that's, that's going to be a day's uh, disposable income for the majority of the population. So, yeah. so I've noticed something I just, now that I've thought about it a lot and it's come up and I've, I'm going to say it clearly on this podcast for one, one time, it's like, yeah, there's a big divide there that people don't realize. And so, yeah, now we, now we can make it, it clear. I think that makes a huge difference between uh, uh, our countries that, that people forget. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, would... here's something like, like, it's something you save up to do. You save up to get some, some drinks and then you drink them and then they're gone. Whereas in the States, you can just buy that shit every day and it's basically a non-expense. That oh, creates yeah. a huge difference. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, drinking takes away your inhibition. So you're more likely to drink more if you have the means. Um, so yeah, yeah. 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 And I live in Kalamazoo, which is, uh, uh, we have, we've got probably five breweries or something like that in this town. All, all Bell's beer comes from here. Um, and we ship it all over the world. It's, it's like the culture here is incredibly drunk. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've played in punk bands for most of my life. So, you know, I've, I've imbibed, you know, um, but, uh, no. but yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, that's fine. I, I, so I'm not sure how we got here from Kenneth Grant's zones <laughs> through oh, DMT, yeah. and and now we're talking about uh, drunks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too interested in uh, uh, drunks or or punk All musicians right. or punk rockers. Fair, um, fair enough. Um, I, you know, uh, yeah, it's 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 rare that I say something's of, of less interest on this podcast, but yeah. I'm not really into the punk thing and, or, or hanging out in bars at all. Sure. Um, I like performing yeah. in bars, but God, I can't like the idea, the, the fact that people go and sit and drink in them is just boggles my mind. Um, well, yeah. Dancing is one thing, playing music or watching a band's another, but just like sitting in them, it's like, no, get me back home, get my robe on, light up some incense. Let's uh, let's do some chanting. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I'm and... fascinated by the idea that you would consider like Kenneth Grant's zones, why similar to DMT states, um, of course. But maybe before we dive too much more into DMT and 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 what what uh, the well here here's a question because uh, we're just jumping all over the place apparently, and that works fine with me. Okay. <clears throat> why is there so much animosity, like like almost like rage? in the spiritual community towards the idea that entheogens could in any way have any connection to the human spirit or spiritual places or realms that we go to without them? Uh, I, well, that's a good question. Uh, on some level, maybe there's some gatekeeping going on. Um, it's people that are maybe afraid of that stuff and they're looking to i don't know to have their idea or approach validated um yeah i don't know yeah uh, i found them to be a hundred percent if not a million percent helpful in this and and essential um and 
you know, in looking through these books like Kenneth Grant and you know, Manly P. Hall and, you know, the books where they have the secrets hidden in plain sight kind of thing, um, you will find references to uh, psychedelics. But if you don't know that's what they're referencing, you, you don't know. Um, for example, acacia is a plant that's very high in DMT and you can uh, metabolize it you know, or distill it or however you say it from there pretty easily, much like ayahuasca. And you'll see, you know, like the acacia tree is, is considered sacred by, you know, several societies and, and, but they never go into why, right? They're like, oh, yeah. we, do, we, we really like this tree for some kooky reason. <laughs> but that's not you know there, there's a deeper reason there um, well it has a big place in the hebrew bible yeah yeah right? i mean that's how that's how you have a mystic vision that's how you talk to god is you you kick yourself out of this dimension and into a different one i like um, the point that i think it was my either my buddy tom hatsis or chris bennett made this point about you know, in the uh, Mount Sinai, when the Israelites, uh, they, it says they saw sound. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's such a good point that that, that does happen, but it only happens really in one sort of instance. And that's a, in, during a, a psychedelic experience. Yeah. You see, you do see sound, you can see sound. Yeah. Um, it... And the fact that they were burning acacia and, and huffing that, would make sense that they would then see sound yeah absolutely uh part of the human condition is seeking out altered states and you know i think that you know call it god or the gods or whatever they're looking to talk to us from the other side um and they speak in symbols of course um but sometimes you need more of a direct line uh and that's how you open that up. And I found that if you do, um, if you do it ritualistically, you know, you, you, you have your, your temple space and you, you cleanse the area and you have your robes on and you, 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 you do whatever your practice is, you know, the, the, uh, the appropriate ritual and, and you take it seriously and then you really, you know, uh, I don't want to say um, you, you very determinedly uh, just hit, hit the DMT as hard as you can and hold on and, and you'll talk to things and you'll see things and they'll tell you things and you'll, you'll come back a different person. Uh, Does it strike I, you that the people arguing that you're not leaving your body in that state and that you're just having a hallucination of chemicals in your brain is a little similar to people talking about like the morality or, or righteousness or sin of sex before they've ever had it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, it's, it's, it's an analogy I've been using and I, I thought I should run it by someone else who has had yeah. similar experiences to my own because that's sort of how it's starting to seem to me the way it gets dismissed out of hand but not just dismissed 
dismissed with like with prejudice you know not oh, yeah. only is it not can it not be useful not not only is it not right and not only is it not tr- uh true but it's dangerous or you're deluding yourself and uh, i just don't buy it and it sounds like someone saying you know sex is dirty and wrong and then you're like well have you had sex and they're like no uh, why <laughs> right. would i do something dirty and wrong it's like yeah. oh well jesus <laughs> you know okay grow up kid go fall in love you know yeah get exactly. back to me when you you know experience this world a tiny bit yeah i, but, I couldn't uh, you agree more it's uh, we can't just say that to people though who have that opinion because that won't change their mind to open up at all or to consider the fact that it might they might not realize the what exactly happens especially during dmt which is really something different than all the other things oh it's yeah it's the king of the mountain it's it's not even i don't even think it's the king of the mountain i think it's a different mountain <laughs> i think it's I, well, yeah. a completely different thing yeah different in kind as aristotle would say yeah yeah i i think what the different psychedelics do is they help kind of tune your consciousness to a different frequency much like a radio um and you know mushrooms will put you in a different spot acid will put you in a different spot you know dmt will ketamine will um and combinations thereof you know uh at least that's been my experience and, and how it, it seemed to me in my experimentations with it. What have your experiments been like um, using this stuff in, uh, in, in ritual? Uh, incredibly positive. Um, but it's one of those things. I think it's really comes down to intent and how serious you're taking it. You know, you could do the th- you could have an experience where you have contact with some other intelligence from the ether. Right. And they, they tell you a bunch of stuff. I've seen this happen. The person that, that gets this information will just dismiss it because it, it it doesn't align with what they previously thought, or it's not comfortable or it's not convenient. And if you're going to go through the trouble of talking to the other side, you should probably listen, you know, um <laughs> reminds me of the, the god in the rowboat story <laughs> or parable you know that, that it's like i sent you a helicopter and a rowboat and you still didn't get on and now you're dead yeah I, I i think i've seen it i've seen it happen people you know they almost want to play with these things as a party drug firstly and and strange but you know okay um and not to say you can't party on psychedelics but there's a time and a place for that. And I think you kind of need to sort yourself out first before you kind of make that jump, you know? Um, and, and until, you know, you need to sort yourself out first before you make the jump into practicing magic with psychedelics and ritualizing that aspect too, because again, you, if you go in there kind of wild and crazy, something's going to kick your ass, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I think that is, I mean, that's where the valid fear, I think, comes from, from a lot of experienced magicians. Um, even if they are uh, virgins, when it comes to this stuff, there's their concern about people using it as a, 
as a easy springboard into the mystical is I think very valid. I, it's, it's tempting to think that, Oh, all I have to do is this little ritual plus add drugs and, and I'll get somewhere really real. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I also think you're never going to learn magic that way as well, but I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, through experimentation over time, I mean, you probably would, you know, somebody had to originally, um, but there, you know, there's a better, easier ways, more efficient ways, you know? Yeah. Well, like, you know, for example, like developing your magic, I think soberly is crucial and like, oh, yeah. you know, most like, you know, 99.9% of all magic I do is dead sober. Yeah. Um, I just am open to exploring entheogenic realms finally, but that's after literally over 20 years of constant practice and meditation and ritual. Right. Yeah. Um, in, of the sober variety, hundred percent. So like I even stayed a virgin till I got to a, de- uh, like a portal till I got through the golden dawn okay. just because I had read in some like, you know, old grimoire that, that, that would aid your, your skills in as a magician and psychic and scryer and all that. Right. So right. I was very serious about that, but you know, after decades pass and you, uh, I think it's worth ex- expanding your, your horizons. And I never expected uh, entheogens like psilocybin and, and any of this stuff to, to be what it was. I actually did completely buy that. It was all just chemical reactions in your brain and just a bunch of nonsense for people who wanted to check out a reality. I believed that for like my whole life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, yeah. that's what we're taught, you know, and you know, that discounts millennia of, you know, peoples and cultures, you know, doing this in, in the Amazon and in you know, all over the world. Uh, and so it, it's, I think it's just one of those things where, yeah, some people crash and burn if they do it. So, yeah, you need to be careful, just like if you're cooking on a stove. You need to be careful. You need to follow the, the proper way to do it or you're going to burn yourself. But also, if you know how to use a stove, you can cook some amazing meals. So I think if you spend the time and, yeah, do the research sober, you know, study psychology, study magic, study everything, um, sacred geometry, you know, all, mysticism, all these things, study it, you know, make it kind of your, your lifestyle, your ideology. And then I think once you're grounded in that stuff and you, you feel confident that you have sorted some of your own bullshit out, yeah, take the plunge see what happens was you know? was grant heavily into uh any of this stuff uh it's seemingly yeah it, but it doesn't again it's not ever like stated outright it's more of metaphors and allusions to and things um so yeah i don't know it, like he was a protege of Crowley and Crowley was way into experimenting with all kinds of different drugs and ones that I wouldn't really see uh, the positive side in spiritually, like, I don't know, like cocaine, you know, like that, that's not to say it doesn't have its place. Right. Or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, but I don't, 
there's probably think, a strong argument for it not being useful in any spiritual context whatsoever. Right. Like, yeah, but some, you know. Uh, hey, we're just our, just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it would be, but, um, but I also can't imagine how ketamine would be. Oh, ketamine's, uh, ketamine's interesting. Um, See, I so, tried it. Well, I tried it a couple times. I hated it. I couldn't. I, despised it and i don't know what i don't know why i also don't you know i also follow my gut on those things <laughs> but right i've well, heard some people go into uh other realms with it uh yeah i found that if you mix it with acid uh mm-hmm. it does get to be like almost dmt ish oh. uh, or like low level dmt ish um that you know uh I don't know. But as in like you're sort of traveling outside of your body? Yeah. Yeah. Um so like in one of my experimentations with it, uh there was some sex magic involved and I found that that mixture uh kind of puts you in this trance state while you're doing your business. Um and yeah, like I I was having some very very dmt type uh hallucinations like you know seeing other life forms kind of in the ether um and also that the combination worked quite well for the purpose of the sex magic too you know without getting too graphic i suppose <laughs> but get, as, know, get as graphic as you want okay um i mean there's no kids listening to this thing (laughs) okay well you kind of have to also if we're talking about grant because he gets into the kalas and all of that that's a whole other thing um yeah i don't really understand what that is what are those okay well um so he never comes out and explicitly says it it's one of those things but if you power through all the volumes and you really give it some thought and you meditate on it and you read other stuff and you kind of put the jigsaw pieces together you can um you can kind of deduce what he's talking about and so here's a quick quote um mm-hmm. the scheme that will be adopted here is based on lieber blah 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 which gives both the sigil and the name of the klipa 231 right corresponding yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, to each of the 22 scales of the beast that crawls along the 22 paths, emitting as it goes the kalas and the bindus and uniting the nectar of the woman with the venom of the serpent. Yep. That's what we're talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. I just geomancy, uh, bibliomancied uh, the book to that page, and that page came up. Okay. Paragraph. How, 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 that, maybe that, that should be my new practice. You know, when talking about a book is bibliomancy so so what's he mean there okay so he's talking about first off you know just like night side of eden you know the cliff on he's talking about the tunnels of set which are the uh the equivalent of the pathways on the tree of life it's just the, the cliff off is uh the mirror reflection of the tree of life it's just the the dark side mm-hmm. um and so <laughs> So with with Kala's, what he's talking about is, I believe that ideally you would have the woman on some kind of psychedelic, but it, that's not necessarily uh, needed. 
but you're inducing the woman to ejaculate. Uh, that's a kala. Okay. And, and you, then you consume that or you use that in your ritual practice. Uh, the kalas, if you look through uh, his books, and it's, it's also appendicized in The Dark Lord, a book by Peter Lavenda that kind of summarizes a lot of uh, Kenneth Grant stuff. Um, but there's like a chart and it goes through like the 28 days of a woman's cycle and the kalas from each different day are supposed to have different powers. Uh, cool. And then the, the most powerful one is the 28th day where she's, you know, menstruating. Um, uh, yeah. All right. And then the, uh, the last part of, of that little quote you read where it's, he's talking about like combining it with the, the, was it the flamings? The nectar of the woman with the venom of the serpent. Okay. So the venom of the serpent semen. Yeah, I figured. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this gets into a lot of very, like the, this stuff's hidden in plain sight. It's in the, the, the writer weight deck. Uh, if you, if you know how to look, um, but, uh, so yeah, part this of the is hidden in the rider weight deck. Oh yeah, Where? yeah. If okay, well, if you look, uh, the two of cups is uh, so. The, this also is like an alchemical thing. What, what we're talking about the kalas and the sex magic and stuff. It's one of the reasons the alchemists, I believe, had to hide their craft in a lot of ways. Was yeah, it was like you know superpowers and all that but also they were dealing with sex magic that you couldn't just tell somebody walking down the street you know like it's it's kind of like well how do we tell somebody this weird thing that we do it works it's great da, 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 right um so yeah the the writer wait you've got uh a lot of the cards have an alchemical nature to them and, and that goes holds true for a lot of tarot decks like thoth deck and all that um but okay so look at the the two of cups and the rider weight you've got the the man and the woman standing there and they're holding cups and they're giving it to each other and then you have the um the the lion serpent up above it with the wings right mm -hmm. so you have the lion serpent with the wings is the mixture of the the red wings the the menstrual blood and the uh the lion serpent which is the semen and then you mix them in the cups which you know you, you have sex right and then you like i said earlier you you consume it you drink it um and that's one of the as best as i can tell one of the secrets of uh, I don't know these disciplines or mystery schools and and all that. Well, yeah, not any of the ones I've been part of, but <laughs> certainly it's a part of uh, the Crowley lineage. It seems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm curious how uh, that kind of uh, symbolism got into Rider weight designed. Well, I mean, Arthur Edgar, Arthur Edgar Waite was the one that designed it, right? So, well, I mean, not really. Oh, okay. Really. Yeah, okay. he just took the. He just was given credit. 
Okay. It was designed by Yates and Pamela Coleman Smith. Okay. And it really is based on the Grail mythos of the Welsh Grail mythos. We used to think it was based on the Parsifal uh, mythos of Wolfram von Eschenbach, but it's been recently discovered that, well, not recently, but sort of that it was based on the Welsh Grail mythos that Yates sort of, it sort of just handed the whole project over to wait is what it sounds like from the English okay. research. Um, but of course, you know, drawing on any ancient symbolism, of course, you're going to draw on these this basic the alchemical symbolism i think can often be explained away in sexual terms yeah one of the challenges for me i have found is it's not always easy to determine whether it is meant in a sexual way or not or both i i'd say in a lot of instances both yeah. i think i think sex magic and and like the the combining of fluids uh to produce life uh, is very much part of the alchemical pursuit. Um, I don't know, in, in reading through all the Kenneth Grant books and then also reading through uh, Secret Teachings of All Ages, if you kind of cross-reference those a whole lot and kind of, you have these guys that are giving you the secrets in plain sight, but it's hidden in allegory and symbolism. But if you listen to enough people talk around the subject enough times, you'll go, aha, I know what the, I know what you're talking about. I get what you're saying. And then it just, it all clicks. Hmm. At least that's been my uh, experience with it. But because uh, in Manly P. Hall, if you get into uh, it, it's got to be in the, the chapters dealing with alchemy, uh, but he's talking about like the basic life force of, you know, of creation or, or the creative force. And it's the mixing of the seed, you know, uh, and the egg. Right. So he gets into well. What if you took that creative life force and used and harnessed it in something other than um, creating a human baby? What if you took this mixture of these compounds and then applied them to uh, you know, making gold, you know, making lead out of gold? Uh, apparently, one of the alchemical uh, processes was... Uh, you, you had to have like a small bit of gold to begin with, but then you could reproduce it. Right. And so it would only stand to reason that these people, you know, alchemists looking at nature, looking at the processes of nature and the creative forces and, and symbolically that they would experiment with that stuff. And I don't know, in my research now, I haven't tried this uh, alchemy thing out in that way, I haven't, you know, I don't have a, a chemistry lab set up in my house anywhere. Um, but from what I understand, and it, to, to my comprehension of the material, that's what they're getting at. Hmm. And maybe I'm crazy and wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, uh, yeah, who knows? Um, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I. I, I don't really have much to contribute to the physical debate around alchemy. People take it and very get very personal about it. I find, um, yeah, you know, well, sure. whereas, yeah, I mean, 
it didn't work to do the thing that most of us understand it was meant to do, right? Like creating gold or you know precious metals from less precious ones. Like that was never achieved. Well, um, well, that's what they. <laughs> that's what some people say. Other people oh, well, say if someone achieved it in secret or whatever, which I you know I don't believe that, but you know i'm so what i'm saying is it was never achieved like humans didn't achieve that we don't have have that ability to do use alchemy to turn base metals into lead or gold uh i don't know i i think the possibility otherwise is there. i mean like to the extent that our governments and everyone would be doing it well like you know yeah. we didn't achieve it in the same way we achieved flight sure but well i mean yeah could be um you think the governments are out there with alchemists in basements, like? Making uh, gold? I think that they would be silly not to. But also, maybe that's something that's been lost, and we're just now putting the pieces back together from it. Or they think it's crazy, and it's just there for, you know, the the <laughs> the crazy uh, bookworm kind of people that sit around with nothing better to do than compare and contrast esoteric writings of all these dead authors you know <laughs> mm. i don't know they say the secrets keep themselves so maybe the secrets are kept from those people uh by some kind of mechanism of the universe i don't know yeah well Fortunately, there's alchemists out there still practicing hardcore so if they if they do figure out how to make gold hopefully we'll find out from them but uh yeah i mean in the, I, in the meantime i found the the spiritual side of alchemy to be very fascinating especially like as it came from people like flood um who i've always been a big fan of but i like stuff that can be tested and tried out you know whether it's in spiritual practice or in the lab and uh, i've never had access to a lab to do alchemy so or someone who knew how to do it so i'll, I'll leave that to those who know better than me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i'd love to if any uh any alchemists out there want to get a hold of me yeah <laughs> oh my, my buddy jesse down in california has been doing getting into it hardcore um, okay but i don't think their goal I'm, I'm i don't think their goal is to try and be able to make gold or any of that sort of nonsense uh though maybe it is but I, you know just him describing the processes of doing basic alchemical or chemical uh changes and stuff and seeing how uh, the different states are achieved and what they look like and and uh, he's he's obsessed it seems all of a sudden so so there's yeah there's definitely some people doing some interesting stuff mm -hmm. oh yeah and there's also a third uh ingredient in alchemy too um and that's up to conjecture as to what that is or isn't it seems to me to be monatomic gold but uh I don't know exactly. You know, I, I haven't produced any uh, you know bars of gold out of lead myself as yet, so I can't say for sure. But uh, but that seems to be from for my research again. Uh, that seems to be at least a, a high probability shot, um, or a better chance than other things. Anyway, hmm. I'd love to hear a discussion between like you know one of these great alchemists who are around today uh, or so i'm told and like a scientist who's capable of discussing these things on a, a scientific level 
you know, but but not not going to shut down the conversation. Who isn't totally of the mindset that alchemy is all nonsense, and anyone who even says the word should be mocked, um, which is sort of the academic point of view, right? Which is funny because the original scientists were alchemists. Well, it's not that funny. It's it's they yeah they're like yeah we used to think stupid things, then we learn more, and now we don't think those stupid things. So it's not that funny. That's how things develop. But also, I, I don't know, sometimes I wonder, you know, like in our in our more contemporary mindset, we always think that we've got the latest, the greatest, and have figured out more. But there's well, things... It's, it's parallel to me of like saying, hey, we used to think the world is flat, then we learned it wasn't. But what if it is? And now we're back to that again. Yeah. and But it's like, but but getting back to that requires us ignoring all the evidence we found in the meantime that stopped us from believing the world was flat it's actually quite parallel to alchemy in a funny way now that i think about it right because yeah. we we disproved alchemy and now it's really popular again yeah just not by chemists or academics so yeah. that has me curious because I, I don't really know much about chemistry and i certainly don't know much about making gold yeah well i mean like I said, I haven't made any yet myself, uh, but I'm open to the possibility. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating, right? I mean, hey, I still I still try and I still have a guilty pleasure night and watch Hudson Hawk once a year. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great film. It's it was so misappreciated. It, it was panned, right? It was a flop. It was a bomb, but it's got this cult following and i think it was i think it's delightful it's just so absurd right yeah i haven't seen or even thought about that movie in a long time yeah. i should i should dig that one out my dad fun. took me to see it in the theater i was probably like 10 years old but he went with his boss and then he took me because he thought i'd find it fascinating of course he forgot about all the adult stuff in it he was just like so fascinated by the overall plot and the and the cute way that the characters sort of carry on their shenanigans but i i really thought it was amazing it was astounding cool the criminals were so over the top sort of like uh tracy joan or you know dick tracy kind of villains right okay yeah i mean <laughs> you gotta watch that again all right yeah yeah i'll check it out for everyone who hasn't seen hudson hawk you get to see leonardo da vinci in in italy creating gold and then hiding the technology so that no one else can have it and to be fair if alchemists did actually figure out a way to that the average commoner could make gold in their kitchen yeah that would definitely be counted as dangerous information wouldn't it well right there so in my thinking there's an agenda of people trying to make sure that if that is possible that we never figure it out again um yeah so you know we're, we're told it's silly and it's crazy and nobody would ever do that it's just some kooky guy with a weird beard back in the day walking around and talking to himself but uh... yeah but we're also told that vaccines that don't work are better than natural immunity <laughs> well right yeah so I, yeah it's not a time of high trust in our establishments well that's what i'm saying so i i don't really feel any need to trust them about on their views on alchemy you know hey, i feel like, you man. <laughs> you know like yeah. they, they they said don't look over there it's stupid but you know i maybe i feel like looking over there screw yeah. them i don't give a shit if they think i'm stupid or not i think they're stupid so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Um, so tell me more about Kenneth Grant, because I really don't, other than what I, uh, the depths I plumbed in Nightside of Eden, and I did that for a project uh, to get out of, to gra a graduating project from the Golden Dawn back in 98, 99. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that book's out there as on, on Amazon as Sacred Magic in the Clipboat. I basically used his, his insights on the tunnels to get insights on the path demons that would affect, uh, you know, our relationship to the seven sins um, and how okay. we deal with them in the context of the Dark Knight um, as characterized and discussed by St. John of the Cross. Okay. So very, it was very practical very very practical how can this be helpful to us in overcoming our our failings and weaknesses but other than that like what what was kenneth grant's deal and why do you think his books have become so uh sort of valuable or overvalued and rare and just not available all the time and what is up with well that? i i think they're those types of books uh first off when you start reading them they get very meta i don't know uh, Crowley has that effect too, at least with me, where you start reading them and like, as you're reading a passage, you see the thing happen that he's talking about, go on outside, you know, just like weird synchronicity lineups. Um, so that I, I don't know that they're magic books, you know, um, in every sense of the word. And because of that, I think they're rare, uh, because, you know, they don't want the, the, the universe can't have that information out in the hands of every third grader, you know? Mm. Um, and I think there are a whole lot of secrets and mysteries that he discloses in those books. Um, and he's, he says in, in the forward of, or maybe it's not even in the forward, he says in the book somewhere that, you know, he's dishing out a whole lot of info that he probably shouldn't. And, so yeah, if you pay attention, um, there's a whole lot there to chew on and you'll see the world differently afterwards. Um, as far as uh, some of the things he did, well, he, he did a lot of parallel drawing between H.P. Lovecraft and Aleister Crowley uh, and theorized that they were each reaching the same entities Crowley doing it willfully and Lovecraft doing it as as the drunken master kind of would you know like mm -hmm. oh, I don't believe in this stuff but here it comes anyway um and so he, he noticed a lot of things where Crowley would be uh performing some kind of ritual or working uh, on a certain day and on that day in one of H.P. Lovecraft's stories, this big crazy thing that happens happens and they like line up. And he, he so he draws a lot of parallels between that, theorizes they're contacting the same entities and then goes deeper into these entities uh, kind of in the Cthulhu, you know, mythos. Um, and he also was a fan of Austin Osmond Spare. Mm. Um, he talks a lot about him and um, has a whole lot of respect for his methods and magic. Um, yeah. 
we, we all love spare. I love Kenneth Grant's also a lovely, a fascinating writer, like a colorful, engaging writer. That's a oh. really nice thing about him. Oh like, yeah. Like he call he says, consider the tunnels of set as a network of dream cells in the subconscious mind. And that's yeah. a, that's a just a lovely turn of phrase and, and a way to imagine it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I'm not sure if it has if the paths and the tunnels necessarily correspond to actual neural frameworks in the skeletal structure of the human organism which he also says i'm not sure if that's true how do you take a sentence like that like when he when he's when they start when when these sort of spiritual or occult writers then say this is how it actually is in physical reality like in your biology how do you handle that as a reader of well I mean, see, you know what I'm, you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I mean, I I would assume that on some level, biologically, the organism responds like when you open up your chakras, right? Um, do I think that you're going to grow an extra pair of limbs or a, you know a third eye growing out of your forehead because of that? No. Um, but is there some effect? Could be. You know, why not? You know, if you if you, you know, focus your uh, your emotion on water, the water will respond. Um, so, you know, it probably does have some kind of effect, I, I think, subtle, you know, um, but why not? Well, yeah, I definitely think it has an effect. I, I think that might be, be one of Kenneth Grant's strengths, actually, is the understanding of the relationship between the microcosm and the macrocosm, right? The, the self and the other, which mm -hmm. is something that's become really fraught, I think in recent years or decades in the magical community. You know, uh, we, we see this strong dichotomization of the, of the psych, psychological scientific model of magic, it's all in your head versus the old spirit models of, you know, hey, there is something out there. Um, and we've, we've become sort of very either or about it. People have become very either or, you know, either you summon actual beings that actually exist or you do an LBRP, but, you know, not both. Though, of course, most people do do both or a lot of people do. Yeah. But, but in Grant, I don't see that same uh, struggle between the micro and the macro. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he gets it that it's all a reflection and that, uh, you know, any person that gets deep into Kabbalah will eventually kind of see that is a thing, you know, the, the reflection of and how it's all intertwined and these, you, you can't separate, separate one from another, you know, we, we want to pretend that you're, you're doing this thing or you're doing that thing, but you can't be doing both. But what if the, what if the answer is that it's both, you know, like, well, I think that was always the answer. I just think it's some it's in it's somehow in the 20th century it we got ourselves confused and turned around again. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I, I think there's been a whole lot of confusion that's that's reigned supreme <laughs> over the last shit. Who knows how long? <laughs> Millennia. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go that far back, it's been a it's been an interesting run for the human race, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's produced a lot of good stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
this. <laughs> <laughs> All there is is stories, just stories upon stories spiraling with other stories until yeah. someone is starving or dead. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden reality comes crashing down. But I like, like he says, this is great. Here's another great passage. Although having no actual position on the tree, Da'at is yet the power zone or event act. Uh, event act is a hilarious term because to see Grant use because it, it reeks of, uh, of, of modern philosophy, especially like Alain Badiou, who's one of my favorites. Um, mm. and, uh, and Jacques Lacan. I wonder if how much uh, Grant might have read some Lacan or something like that to say the phrase event act. Um, I wrote a lot like about that sort of way of thinking in my own work that makes possible this entire scheme of Sephiroth paths and tunnels with all their ramifying complexities. If this is understood, there should be little difficulty in following the allocation of ideas and concepts to each of the dream cells. Yeah. Uh, the dream yeah. cells, because that's that's an interesting idea, right? That, do you do you, does he mean something very technically precise about that, or am I allowed? Can it just mean whatever I want it to mean? Um. Well, it, I mean that's a good question. Uh, do you know if he had a very specific definition for what that is, or is it something that means what it means in the context of what he's talking about? Uh. Well. That's another good question. It's probably contextual, um, but also one of the things in each of his books, there's a glossary um, where he kind of has to give you, you know, a lot of the terms he's using. Uh, and funny enough, uh, he tends to make up words as he goes along sometimes too. And some of those words that he makes up, he doesn't even put in the glossary. So you're just kind of having to extrapolate the meaning um and sometimes it's a powerful it, thing you can, it's a powerful writing technique if you do it well if you do it if you but if you miss your mark it's like death to everything you've said right right agreed um and it wouldn't shock me that he did put a lot of thought into these made-up terms because if you read grant you'll notice that he is a gematria maniac oh just, I, I noticed i mean just what, like, if you don't like Gematria, just step away from the grant and just never come back because he's going to go there and like hard and just over and over drill into your skull. Um, I really liked it when I was first reading it decades ago. And I, I, I was straight. I was into that stuff, too. But then I went to a seminary and learned Hebrew. And now mm -hmm. I have a very hard time with occultist Gematria. Not because the practice of gematria to me is abhorrent. I think it's a very fascinating method of Kabbalah and feature within Jewish mysticism, especially yeah. managing, you know, with, of working with the texts and uh -huh. coming up with creative explorations of it. But it can lead to some really, like, you know, Grant, Grant, because, you know, Grant, like he equates uh, Ain, as in the Ain Sof, mm -hmm. with Ayin, because they look similar. Yeah as words but words that look similar aren't the same like you know unless you're michael sarion or that you know that you know one of these people who just conflate everything together because they 
are written with ink. It's like, hey, right. this was things written with ink and this thing's written with ink. They must be the same word. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get to a point where you're reaching for sure. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. In, you know, in scholarship, we call it loose equivocation. It, okay. Which is, yeah. It, which is a damning offense. It's not like it's not a minor offense. It's like you're full of shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's <literally laughs> saying you're full of shit, kid. <laughs> uh, you know i i've been i was accused of it a few times in my younger years uh when i was learning how to think properly sure but you know it is frustrating to see like you know the n as an n sof being equated with ion and to say that the n the, the the limitless is the same as the i and that they're the same word is just not true so that's frustrating but the gematria is not overall uh nonsensical like especially when you're looking at the gematria of, of the path demons themselves to sort of draw draw insights as to what uh sub meanings or sub qualities of their being would be from yeah. their name like that's very useful uh in the creation of talismans seals or operating with them in different uh visionary experiences or even evocations incredibly useful stuff yeah for very an much. operating magician yeah agreed um yeah. yeah so grant loves that um also footnotes like if you're reading grant you're gonna spend probably as much time uh digging into the things that he's talking about in his footnotes and his footnotes sometimes seem to take up more of the page than the writing itself yeah, he just that, that's how it should be done in my opinion yeah i mean he well then then he is your guy <laughs> and it doesn't bother me at all like you know I, i'm fine with that but but it's it can be a lot you know well you know i guess i mean it, it's it doesn't bother me uh when i don't see footnotes it's either because the person uh it, it makes always makes me think the person doesn't know what they're talking about or they're concealing their sources to seem smarter than they are Oh yeah, no, no. And then the, or it means a person put them as endnotes, and they should just be taken outside and shot. Yeah, yeah. No, he he makes sure that you know he's referencing and everything that he's. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. No, he's he's on point with that stuff. Yeah, um, it's it's nice. He references where he, he doesn't just rip off spare. He's like, it comes from this book and this part of that book. That's, that's oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, like if you're gonna spend the time reading Grant before you get to it you should definitely spend a good deal of time with crowley's work um an understanding of like the book of the law and the whole mythos surrounding that and um do you think it, you need to appreciate crowley's work and the book of the law to get much out of grant oh yeah because i can't stand like the book of the law oh, oh I, well, then... I will i i read it you know twice and um, it's yeah yeah oh oh yeah well because grant goes hard in that direction at times um to a point where he like does his own commentary verse by verse of it um at one point and yeah no he he goes for it with, with that and so it, it's worth digging into all of that uh there's a book by crowley that uh that Grant references a lot called the law is for all. And it's also like a, a line by line commentary by Crowley on the book of the law itself. Yeah. I know that. I know that one. 
Um, I don't know. I think there's. I think you could still get a lot out of Kenneth Grant, even if you're not into Crowley and Thelema. Well, well, you could, sure. I, you know. Um, but I guess the fact, the the thing is that I might not have really considered before is that there's just going to be a huge aspect of it that I'm missing because you know when he talks about Babylon, I just moan. Whenever he references Babylon, I just like sort of groan internally and go, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Right? <laughs> but to someone who knows what Babylon is in the context of Thelema, then that's a big deal and it illuminates probably larger portions of the text as to what the actual implications of what's being said is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because there's a there's a whole teleology to Thelema. There's a whole vision of where things are going and what 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 situation the world is in and what the future to come might be. And yeah. uh, if you, if you remove that, then I guess Grant is missing. There's something missing in your understanding of Grant. Would that be correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so because uh, also later on. So you had Crowley who uh, received the word uh, or the book of the law. And he was supposed to issue a word before he died. And I guess he never did. And that's one of the uh, problems that Grant has with Crowley. Um, And so Grant's thing of like, okay, well, the aeon of the crowned and conquering child, I believe was what, you know, Crowley's thing. He's saying, well, that aeon was here it's probably gone already and now there's a new aeon and that's the aeon of mott and so he kind of just says that crowley's aeon was more transitory than anything and that now according to him and his uh information that he's received from the other side that you know we're going into the aeon of mott and then you know that forms a you know pretty big chunk of his I don't know, philosophy or vision of where his religion or beliefs or reality or however you want to say it was going. No, I, I, yeah, I'm more, I think that, that, I mean, that makes more sense to me. Um, the Aeon of Mott thing. I always, I always uh, was bothered by Crowley's Aeon of Horus because according, you, you know how you're meant to uh, cross-reference things you know communications from spirits with with actual information to see if it's a valid one or not yeah see if they're lying to you yeah Yeah. so have crowley checked about the egyptian aeons and air ages and stuff he would have seen that that horus had already passed and he would have seen what the next one coming was and that to a normal occultist you would think would make him go oh okay so i was not i'm not getting an actual contact here because if they're saying the next age is this if like you and me were summoning a spirit and we were like tell us about the next age astrologically and they're like well as you know you're entering the age of taurus we'd be like oh shit this this scryer is no good right yeah clearly not a virgin get get me a virgin (laughs) (laughs) right yeah that's right because we would we would we would throw that out as nonsense it's like that's yeah it's it's not and so I was always surprised that Crowley didn't then go look up the Egyptian ages and realize that the one that he had foretold to him was not actually the next one coming. And then yeah. he could have been like, oh, okay, throw that out. Right. Yeah. Um, I got no dog in that fight. So it's just, it was just something that, you know, caught my attention as 
a non-thelemite. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some plot lines uh, or some plot holes with with Crowley here and there. Um, so, I mean, that would also explain why uh, Kenneth Grant and like Frater Ahad uh, had to do work that was corrective, you know, and yeah, and fix the error and notice what Aeon were actually going into or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and... Not that I think Aeons matter at all. I think, you know, this whole dispensationalism in general just exhausts me. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? The idea of ages and this period and this period, it just seems like such categorical silliness. Well, like, I mean, it, how useful is it is what I mean. Well, I it's mean, fun to talk about magically. It is, it, well, of course, it's fun to talk about. And I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying. We have been in this kind of period of time for the last decade where it's like, oh, we're moving into the new era. You know, we had the whole 2012 thing. And, you know, like there's going to be this big catastrophe, this, you know, when, when the ages turn and all of that. And, and maybe well, it will. that happened. <laughs> we did have the catastrophe. Well, we, we have. And, you know, <laughs> here in the States, we're going to be having our Pluto returns here in about four or five days. So uh, on 222, 2022. Uh, Pluto return. Hey. Oh yeah, so just in the states. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because uh, Pluto is now making its way back around to the point where it was in the sky on July fourth, seventeen seventy six. So, so, okay, and so, that won't affect Canada. Oh uh, well, I mean, it'll affect you guys as far as how you're uh, you do business with us, probably because we're probably going to be a total shit show for the next few years oh hey well i wonder if maybe there'll be some sort of interaction between america and canada like some sort of economic problems or, or issues that arise it could very well be um yeah if you look up hong kong yeah right oh my god <laughs> jesus yeah no it's a mess everything's stirred up and crazy right now it's amazing it's amazing i can't it we is. really did have a global catastrophe and jesus yeah and and it's not done yet like the the pluto returns thing dude is... it's illegal for me to currently leave my house and go see another person oh my god and it has been for since december 22nd what the fuck that's but but the clubs are open and people are out dancing <laughs> yeah it's clown world it's, it's well it's, it's only yeah it's it's you know you can go to a club with covid in your system mm-hmm as long as you've had the vaccine yeah well <laughs> but some of us can't leave our house yeah well I'd, I'd probably be amongst the not leaving the house type myself so and yeah know. i can leave my house some people some of my friends are gonna be like hey are you you're, you're lying again on your podcast like okay yes i can technically leave my house but i can't technically get together with someone read the law yeah i read wow. it very carefully because it applies to me other people are like you know they don't care because it doesn't apply to them sure um yeah, 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 the catastrophes, it's its sort of phenomenal to see them actually occur. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of excited and yet very apprehensive about, uh, about the Pluto returns thing. Um, if you look at countries in the past that have gone through it, there's turbulence, big time. Mm. So Do you I'm have any examples come to mind? Uh, Napoleon had something like when he fell, that was supposedly uh 
the Pluto returns kicking in. Oh, uh, wow. Spain had a ruler, or was it? Fr- I, I don't know. There, I've got a whole list I pulled up earlier uh, oh, of different cool. things. Um, Stalin dying, I think, was was part of that for the for Russia. Um, I don't know, there's somebody went through on on some of the forums and just like you know compiled a list of like well when this country was 245 years old this happened you know um so it that's something fun to look forward to you know like like shit's not fucked up enough already right <laughs> yeah right oh so what if if someone's uh never read Kenneth Grant which uh, which book do you think they should start with well I started with Night Side of Eden because it was loaned to me. Um, yeah, same. Uh, so, but what I did then <clears throat> is I went through and I had a pretty decent paying job at the time and uh, went through and methodically just bought them one by one. And funny enough, about the week, I think it was the week that I got the last one in the mail. I got fired from that job. And uh, so all of a sudden I had a whole lot of time to dive deep into this Kenneth Grant book series that I had st- you know, spent a good chunk of money on. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so I did. Uh, I, I took it as a sign, you know, um, because I had first found Ken Grant's books when I had first gotten that job um about 20 years ago uh, i'd finally gotten a job where i had a little bit of extra spending money and i was i'd always studied witchcraft on some level going back into like middle school high school um and so i was just looking around on on ebay seeing what kind of weird occult books i could find and I'd never seen Kenneth Grant stuff before, but all of a sudden I find this guy's stuff and they all have the coolest looking book covers and they're, you know, eight, 900 bucks a piece and all this. I'm just like, someday I'm going to buy all these books. I'm going to read the damn things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I, at that point was you know, studying witchcraft and ritual magic and all that. And I ended up with a book, uh, called commentaries on the holy books and it's an alistair crowley book and it's got blavatsky in it and stuff too and i was a newbie enough in like the whole you know jewish mysticism in kabbalah and all that that it all just went right over my head and i couldn't make heads or tails of it and i just kind of gave up for a decade or more um on on magic at that point um but then uh, I, I had a, a band that was a very concept band, uh, where we had costumes, all this stuff. And I started getting back into magic due to the band, um, because I was, you know, creating sigils. And so at that point, it kind of triggered me to try this out again. You know, uh, I felt the calling to, to get back into all that again. And so I picked my studies back up and, um, started reading some things that were uh, more appropriate for someone that wasn't, you know, 20 years deep into occult books. Um, so yeah, you try, you jumped in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and back, yeah. And back then, 
there wasn't any kind of like resources online or that at least I that I knew of that were like, don't read this one. It won't make any sense to you. Start off with these 10. You know, there, there was none of that. Yeah, no, there was not. <laughs> right. So it was just like hit and miss. And it just, yeah, I, I jumped in the deep end and it, it kind of said, nope, and spit me back out. And then, uh, you know, years later, uh, as fate works, I got pulled back into it again. But in a way this time where I could actually make sense of it and digest it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm certainly um, been enjoying going through Nightside of Eden again with a more mature gaze rather mm-hmm. than the than the the reading capacity and comprehension of a 17 year old virgin. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's very I've... different. Here's oh, yeah. a passage I was looking for. It is well known to occultists that at the moment of sexual orgasm, the adept is able to launch a creative thought construct which penetrates the astral envelope of his psyche and reifies in matter at a time appointed by the magician. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's very simple description on what sex magic is. eh? Yeah. Sex magic 101 right there. Um, Yeah. yeah. He, he, he dishes the real goods in those books. He really does. He really Um, does. It's actually, he's, I, I think that we have a similar version of him. Well, very, very different the polar opposite the golden dawn version of him in my opinion is is kind of nick farrell from the perspective that you're reading nick farrell and you know uh sure some of the words might be questionable but he just dishes like practical magical goods like you know when you're reading his his uh his uh shem grimoire it's like yeah very very real you can tell the person's actually been practicing magic for forever and is talking about stuff that you can relate to because you've been practicing for forever as opposed to some of the stuff out there so that's always really nice you know Mm -hmm. it's like no matter what the person believes whether it's different from you or not the common ground often between us as magicians that's why i even you know read thelemites or talk to thelemites or you know because it doesn't matter that's just a religion but the the practice of magic is is something that is common ground between witchcraft and all of us Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely yeah. um those insights are amazing so so you you how long you how long has it been since you worked through all of kenneth grant's books uh well i got fired in 2017 and so it took me probably a good year year and a half i would say just like i did them one after another um mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is why. No, this is great. That's why I was so excited to uh, talk with you. Um. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. So it took me. What's a, your a favorite? While. Oh God. Um. I mean, I read Nightside Eden twice because I, you know, I read it when it was loaned to me, and then I read it again when I was going through them all sequentially. Mm. And so I have the most familiarization with that one. Um. But. Let me think. I don't know. I, I the, the first couple are really good. Um, Magical Revival and uh, uh, Alistair Crowley and the Hidden God. Both of those are incredibly good. Cults of the Shadows, good, but he gets into voodoo a whole lot in that one. And a lot of, you know, if you're not familiar with the words, like it's a lot of like trying to make sense of just these words he's thrown at you you mean like the the technical terms within voodoo 
yeah yeah I mean, it's a yeah. different language you know so it's it's kind of hard to you know, yeah, get you might, it the might first. Might want to read some uh, Maya Darren first, or some of the other Vudon intro books. Yeah, and well, and he talks about Michael Bertier in in it too, and so I wanted to get his his book as well. Hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Cult of the Shadow was it was good. All of them are good, but it wasn't like as I don't know, maybe as up my alley as some of their other ones were. Um, what's, what's Crowley and the Hidden God sort of? What's its deal? Uh, well, I guess uh, as best as I can recollect, uh, well, a lot of uh, Kenneth Grant stuff goes back to Set. He's a mm-hmm. big, he's a big Set guy. Set um, or Apophis? Set. Okay. Um, I mean Apophis is in there, obviously, yeah. but um, but yeah, no, he's he's a Set guy um and so i guess what he's saying there is is set is the primal god set is the real god um and that you know set's also the twin god right um because set and or or set and osiris or set and horus depending on how you make sense of all the different uh egyptian pantheon stuff um so yeah he goes into set and like the dog star and sothis and it i mean basically yeah he comes back to what what the communications to crowley were and everything is that yeah yeah uh spoiler alert god is the devil you know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um yeah i i thought that one was very good um, it made a whole lot of sense and a lot of, you know, makes a lot of very good points. Um, as he gets further and further into the books, his stuff gets a little bit weirder. And, you know, because he was doing a, uh, a lot of workings with a group, I believe it was based out of Cincinnati, um, the new ISIS Lodge. And they were performing a lot of rituals and doing things like summoning Crowley's mythos. And he's got a story in there of how like they actually like manifested this tentacle creature that came out of someplace. Like it gets kind of far out in sci-fi. Um, and it, it would almost have to be like a, a shared hallucination, I would think, of him and the group that they had while experimenting with psychedelics. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, and then as he goes on further and further, he gets into like the new Aeon being the Aeon of Mott, but also uh, it being ruled by the spider god Akbish and and the uh the last book the ninth arch is this received transmission from akbish and his commentary on it and it's just like a thousand pages of oh my god what the hell am i reading (laughs) um so yeah so there's that (laughs) um and uh the the other book you mentioned what was it uh magical revival yeah what is that one about um because that's been recommended to me a a few times as a 
as the next one to read after Nightside of Eden. Yeah. It's sort of historical about the actual magical revival or what? A, a bit, yeah. Um, and also, you know, in these, he always goes into, you know, different secrets and mysteries and, and things. So um, he dishes goods in that one, as in all of them. Um, yeah. So I recommend that one too. It's the first one in the series. So uh, I, I definitely of the mind that you should probably read them in sequential order. Um, if only to follow his thinking. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's a whole lot. You know, he's throwing a whole lot of stuff at you. And if you break the narrative, like you're kind of lost out in the middle of the woods. <laughs> um so yeah I, I there's also a book that comes in between the eighth and ninth volume uh called against the light which if someone's going to spend the time reading all of the uh the nine books of the typhonian trilogies um you should probably read that too it'll help make sense of the last book a little bit um so do you do you agree with Grant that when he says that the uh, true gnosis and the, the mysteries uh, are predominantly psychosexual nature? Uh, yeah, I I would say so. Yeah. Um, Why do you think all these guys seem to turn so much towards the the dark stuff and sex and and uh, sort of resuscitating uh, dark gods? like set and uh and lucifer rather than embracing the light and the you know the rosicrucian ethoses and the christian ideals that that they sort of came out of uh well i think there's a lot of power in in using those symbols and you know working with those gods and entities um if you're dealing with sex, you're dealing with you know the primal creative uh, force of the universe. So it, you're harnessing a huge uh, amount of energy. Uh, so I think that's the attraction in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. If you talk about magical acts being. Uh you know, recapitulations or, 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 uh, of the creative process. Yeah. Then yeah, that, and it, that's the sort of the Supreme one, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he <clears throat> his version of the OTO that he created, Kenneth Grant, uh, is called, Oh, sorry that my alarm is going off for some reason. I'll be right back. No problem. Okay. Um, so, okay, yeah. So his uh, version of the, the OTO that he created to, to carry on with his teachings was called the Typhonian OTO. And Typhon was a reference to Set um, in that way. And mm -hmm. also, also uh, basically Grant, one of the, the one of Grant's 
issues with Crowley and why he had to kind of branch off and make his own thing or felt compelled to do so is he felt Crowley's dabbling with homosexuality wasn't in line with his own thinking and wanted a more heterosexual uh, path working or a way to navigate these mysteries in reality. Um, so it's, it's much more that side of things too. Um, Cause he, he just, he, he felt that it was more of a, I don't want to necessarily say like an abomination. I don't think he said that, or maybe he does, but um, I think he was just kind of tapping into the fact that you're trying to, you know, make a creative force. And the best way to do that is the male and female coupling, because that's what works in nature. Um, and he was married and was, you know, more in line with that lifestyle. And Crowley was much more, hedonistic and, and willing to experiment with other facets of his sexuality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, cruelly seemed to describe, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't pretend to understand the mind of Crowley, but uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, you know, the, 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 the way he describes the time in the desert, um, when he needed to be violated and humiliated and, and like, you know, he just describes that he needed to be debased in every way, which is, so he had, you know, his buddy Victor, um, you know, sodomize him in the desert as part of one of the ethers he was working backwards for some reason. Um, right. I mean, I know that's become like the norm in, for Libra Samic and Thelemites now, it still doesn't make any sense in the context of Enochian magic, though. But whatever, <laughs> like, you know. I mean, if it's sort of that's sort of Crowley in a nutshell. Hey, what did he do? Well, he did everything just in the opposite order. Yeah, yeah, kind of in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but no, like I mean, that kind of desire to be uh, debased in and 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 uh, it just it just it just seems to be like the opposite of what all of this is about to me. Well, I mean, I can see, I can see that. Um, I can also see Crowley uh, wanting to experience as much as he could and see where it would take him. Because, mm. uh, you know, when you're working with things like the Cliff Off, it, it's dark magic. It, it takes your mind to dark places. And if you have any, you know, desires for this strange thing or that out of the normal thing or perverse thing or whatever, you might very well want to experiment with that. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's one of those things. If you don't have your mind together, don't play around with the dark side because you'll bump into things and screw yourself up, you know? Um, very true very true yeah so mm -hmm. interesting quote from the golden dawn guy jfc fuller when he's here that he says satan is in fact the tree of life of our world that free will which for its very existence depends on the clash of the positive and negative forces which in the moral sphere we call good and evil satan is therefore the shekinah of Isaiah. The material world yeah crazy yeah yeah i mean it, 
if you you know go through uh, Grant stuff, you know, he, and Crowley too, you know, they're talking about you, know, you look in the Bible, you know, in the beginning, it, everything was black, you know. Um, and, it doesn't and, say black. Well, it's a. It says what? tohu ve vohu. Okay. Uh, tohu ve vohu, formless uh, uh, chaos formless, and desolation. Right, and void, and it, but almost avoids the popular translation. But it's more accurate to say chaos and desolation. And the Bahir does a wonderful analysis of that. Okay, so yeah. so you've got that. In the beginning, there was that, but there was also God, right? Yes. So God would be then what? The God of chaos and desolation. And then God, the God of chaos, darkness, desolation, creates light and says, hey, this is kind of cool. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot like uh, what uh, Mirandola says when he talks about the, the name of God or the tetragrammaton containing within it the name of Set and Satan. Yeah. Or, or the, name of, the name of the devil. Yeah. The, the evil demon, which, of course, Grant considers Set and Satan yeah yeah absolutely like uh he's he's the original guy you know uh and you know that he had uh in beginning there was the word and the word was god and you know so you have the devil and he starts making vibrations you know he starts making music uh so i think that's one of the reasons that uh you know we have music and quite often it's considered devilish or at least the good music <laughs> more right. often than not yeah well i definitely subscribe to the more kabbalistic view that it that 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 there isn't a polar opposite to god of course that that's more that that's just all part of the divine process you know the clicot are part of the divine process and part of creation and yeah like absolutely it makes a bit more sense than the yeah the the, the contemporary the dualism which we're still still tyrannized by is, is uh, I think, stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we have one of two ways and nobody's come along and go, you know, can't there be a different, can't there be a third way that, that that's better than both of these like, two? Like a pillar in the middle? Or, yeah, right. Middle, like a middle path, <laughs> like a straight and narrow way between the windings of this chaotic serpent. Exactly. No, no, there can't be that. There can't be that. No, no, no. Exactly. No, you're supposed to get lost in the matrix, be it on the left side or the right side. You're not supposed to figure out that there's another way that makes more sense. You just have to not join a club, um, not join a side. As soon as you join a side, that means you're on a side that could lose. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. I also like that he says the five cosmic power zones of the middle pillar correspond to the uh, five elements. I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've actually never uh, never heard of that breakdown of the elements before. Um, you know, going Malkut, Yesod, Tiferet, Dot, and Keter. Yeah. Uh, there's a many orientations of the elements on the Tree of Life, which were rigorously tested on in the Golden Dawn. But that's one I actually hadn't, haven't heard before. Malkut, Earth, of course, Kether being a spirit, and then, mm -hmm. and then water, Yasod, fire, Tiferet, Da'at, air. Never heard that one before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, the good one. Yeah. Reminds me sort of of the Tatwa middle pillar that 
some of us do yeah but i've got a a book club that i'm involved in it's all about plowing through uh not only kabbalah books but books that would be a good warm-up for kenneth grant because i've got a group of friends that are uh interested in tackling those and so uh so we've just been like cramming through all of these Kabbalah books and like other magical texts like Eliphas Levi and, and all those things. Yeah. That's with Ray, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I've been recommending some of those books are ones that I was recommended or I recommended apparently. Okay. I Great. didn't know that. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. She was like, what, what should we read? And I was like, well, there's this and that. Some of the ones you guys read, I would have been like, Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have read that at this point, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a, we're, we're right. If you right. want to understand Kabbalah, it's not helpful to read Golden Dawn Kabbalah or Hermetic Kabbalah. And, and sometimes people go down that avenue and yeah. then don't get why the Jewish Kabbalah makes no sense. So, right. And are they trying, they try and correspond the two together and it just doesn't even work. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, the whole four worlds, the, the, are completely different in Jewish Kabbalah. The, paths are all different like even in, Jew- in jewish kabbalah like you know it's your left shoulder that's gibura and your right shoulders has said okay you yeah know, the way when when we, you know the way the hermetic thing of stepping back into the tree that is straight up heresy to jewish kabbalah and and just not done it's not seen that way so yeah the two don't really cross over very much hmm. i was not uh, not quite uh, aware of that that's interesting huh yeah yeah, it's just uh, they're they're model. I, the way I look at it is they're models for understanding different things. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Models can you can have two models, sort of pointing at the both pointing at the universe, but if they're showing different, like one's the skeleton, one's the skin, right? Oh, sure. They're, they're not gonna. You might not know what they are if if someone didn't tell you. Yeah, they won't quite function the same. They won't quite look the same, but there's going to be some connection there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, it's a lot of it's pretty. I mean, <laughs> the whole Jesus thing is a big dividing line, right? <laughs> you have you have you have uh, non-Jewish cabal cabalists. Uh, they're looking at the tetragrammaton as the as the as the as containing a secret shin to represent the 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 nascent seed of Christ from the beginning to the end of all scripture, right? And they're like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus is a very polarizing figure, it turns out. <laughs> turns out. Hey, but at least you can draw a picture of him without being killed. Yeah, well, th- that's a good point. <laughs> so you, might, you might not want to give him blonde hair and blues eyes these days if to just to be safe. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, but also too, like, I don't know, a lot of people are don't want you doing anything because oh somebody might get offended and you know what like you you can't live your life like it's that. almost like they want us not leaving our homes it, almost die, right yeah yeah. yeah you can't say this you can't talk about that you can't look at this you better not make something that looks like that you know like ah and, and at the end of the day what's it gonna do oh well somebody's to be mad at you well i don't give a shit People have been mad at me before. I've lived. It's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's so many rules. So many I know, rules. Right. And I'm I'm of the opinion that if a rule is unjust, it's your duty to break it. You know? So 
yeah we should make a law like that yeah well i mean that it's a quote by thomas jefferson so yeah, yeah. i know yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> i know i just wish we had some laws that protected us from you know from an overreaching tyrannical government Dude, we're system under martial law and yeah i know my friends listening and be like it's not actually martial law it's like actually this is the only law that we have that it's it is martial law right martial the only law. thing that that's there's no other martial law we don't have a different martial law we have this <laughs> martial law and there's right. a reason it's never been used before ever right if it looks like a duck and acts like a duck you know come on yeah. yeah, and they're going and they're freezing everyone's bank accounts, terminating their loans for their, oh, their yeah. houses, terminating their mortgages because they might have given a few bucks to a protest that was remarkably peaceful in a way that probably only Canadians could have done, given how many millions of people were there. Yeah, for real, right? Like it still boggles <laughs> my mind that it didn't turn into a massive riot. Yeah, I mean, I was in Cali during the 2020 riots. Oh and God, I was there. I was getting assaulted. Every time I walked out of my room, pretty much by nut jobs who had lost their minds. Oh my God. That's yeah. It's that like sucks. if I didn't walk out of my room and instantly raise my fist in the air, someone was going to grab me and start spitting in my face. And I know this is people don't really believe this, but I have it filmed. So it's like, you know, it's true. Yeah. I, I don't doubt Posted it. People posted online like all these other whiners, but it's like, yeah, I got the evidence. I got the receipts because it was real and it was very not fun. Yeah. No, people lost their damn minds and are still losing their damn minds seemingly so you know yeah. we got pluto returns in less than a week we're about to see some fireworks i think giddy um, up oh my giddy. god i'm gonna have to get my astrology mom to do some pluto more pluto stuff to talk about the pluto returns well yeah and what's interesting too is pluto is the last one of the planets seemingly it's moving into aquarius in kind of an organized fashion because we had Saturn and Jupiter in 2020 that moved into Aquarius. And we've got Venus and Mars that are both moving into Aquarius in uh, on March 6th within seven minutes of each other. Mm. And then we have Pluto moving into Aquarius next March. It's going to be a party. So we've got this, huh? It's going to be a party. Yeah. Well, it's this whole procession of planets into Aquarius. And so... It, you know, it happens to line up with the world going absolutely bonkers. So I, you know, I do think we're in that final like degree of crazy shit before we turn the page. Um, it, it, the crazy shit just might last a couple hundred years. Well, I mean, that's possible. Um, the, the Pluto returns thing, because it Pluto moves so slow, it's going to take about three years or so to complete. Yeah, yeah. And then we're still not in the age of Aquarius. Then we still have decades to go before that fully enters. And uh, then we have to balance it, you know, balance out the energy. I just think we're going to get stuck in our negative reactions to these transitions for quite a while. I hope not. I really hope not. I mean, oh, of course. I, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong, but well, uh... that's why we're fighting and, and speaking <laughs> out, actually. Like, that's even why we're doing podcasts and, 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 speaking our minds like just the fact that we're having an open conversation where we can both say whatever we want that's countercultural now i yeah, mean right. in this age yeah just having a, a conversation i mean even calling it free speech is considered a right wing talking point okay clearly we're into the counterculture now oh yeah yeah right and, yeah the, <laughs> if they're yeah. calling freedom of speech right wing 
we're in, we're, we're then 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 just dialogue is countercultural. Oh yeah, well Open I dialogue. mean, we we've hit a point too in this country where you know they, they've diluted the term Nazi to such a degree. It's like, well, that person makes a different flavor of casserole than I do. They must be a Nazi. <laughs> They're a casserole Nazi, right? It's like you can't walk down the street without being accosted by right wing white supremacist nazi extremists if you you know according to dumbasses online but you know like i that that's not the truth like it's ah it's wild (laughs) did you see the video the the viral video of these two middle-aged women with masks on beating this black man in an elevator and when he tries to 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 like stand up for himself they start yelling black lives matter while still smacking him in the face <sighs> right he's like, he's like what the fuck black lives you're saying black lives matter to me while you're hitting me they're like yeah. black lives matter black lives matter and smacking him in the face because yeah. he didn't we're, have a mask on <laughs> yeah we're in peak, we're, we're in crazy in, town yeah we're in peak clown world and clown world and what's interesting, uh, talking about clown world, if uh, if you look at Bale, um, who is the original first god of the Jews, I'm half Jewish, so uh, I can speak on these things a little bit. Not <laughs> Are you good, the good half Jewish or the bad half Jewish? Well, I mean, <laughs> it changes day by day. Um, <laughs> I'm left-handed too. So, I mean, it could be different. Who knows? Uh, So, um, but if you go back and you look at an ancient statue of Baal, like if you have your computer there, pull up an old picture of an old statue of Baal. All right. He's got a pointy hat with a ball on top. He's a clown. And now a word from our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or six dollars a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot. Plus, you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Huh. So... It's, and Baal is also equated with like the the twin god, you know, uh, dichotomy or trope. Um, and so it's my belief that us living in clown world right now is we're actually in a time where Baal has a little bit more sway than uh, than he has before or something. I, I did a Baal working a few years ago. And then everything oh, yeah. got he's re- like the spider leg jester dude. Yeah. Right? The yeah. cat and the toad. Yeah. 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 Right. Um that's just something I don't ever want in my house. I mean, I've got a tarantula. And I've oh, got don't even tell me that. And I've got two black cats. <laughs> the cats are fine. They could eat the tarantula. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things that I've come across in my time i'm like that's very interesting what's going on and with that whole thing um, okay so what's bail have to do with this time uh well we're in cloud world right right well, yeah okay so right so like as of a couple of years ago the term cloud world just kind of rose up out of nowhere and became this thing that everybody says uh and about three years ago i want to say um I did a bale working where I drew a picture of a big bale gate type of thing. Mm. And uh, also I ended up uh, helping part in this movie called infinite clown war. And then I took a trip with my mom out uh, West and we stayed at the Stanley hotel, which is what the shining is based on. Oh, wow. You stayed there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like down the road from there when I was in Cali. Oh, really? covid yeah i i really wanted i tried to get people to take me but no one would oh. i really wanted to see that place it's like oh, it, yeah just it's yeah, right it, there it's right there and that whole trip was a big very like the presence of bail was very strong like everywhere you looked there was like some signifier or symbol of of bail it was it was uncanny and very strange oh. and that was the end of 2019 and then I get back here and then the whole world goes bonkers. And then the world, the term clown world catches on. And it's just this whole like strange uh, period of time where I'm just like figuring out that, you know, well, bail is, you know, by my blood, some an, an entity that I should have some kind of correspondence with, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's just an odd batch of synchronicities that, uh, Maybe maybe there's a clue out there for some <laughs> on how to navigate it. Uh, laugh, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I like to wonder if it's like, you know how it's just a crazy amount of people summoning these goetic demons and other demonic forces right now? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. crazy amount. And a lot of them, probably the majority, are with little to no education on the subject, just following some how-to books and guides and mm-hmm. stuff and trying to use them to curse and hurt people 
just to see if it works. Right. Yeah. Just to of see course. if it works. Like, oh, there's these demon names and these sigils. Let's see if we can, you know, kill someone that we don't like or hurt someone that we don't like. And they're just doing this every day. Thousands and thousands of people are doing this. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. what I wonder, I, I, I'm not too worried about whether or not they're hurting people. I'm pretty confident that they're not nearly skilled enough to do anything to anyone except maybe themselves. But I wonder if that amount of people working with these beings is having this sort of effect on the world or contributing to it in a big way. I, I would think so. They're, they're yeah. casting their energy towards these egregores. Um, yeah. Well, that's I, a way of, of sort of psychologizing or, or microcosmicizing what they're doing. I mean, because we're talking about actual entities, right? Actual creatures that they're yeah. calling. Yeah. Right. Even beyond the egregoric forms that we can create out of our own oh, yeah. microcosm by ourselves or with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, you know, it depends on the person doing the working too. Like a lot of people work from a purely psychological level. You know, they believe in these gods and, and things, but they also um, approach it as like, well, yeah, it's, but it, it, it's in me and of me. So, you know, just as like God is in you and of you, you know, and your reflection of and, and all of that, you know? Yeah. I wonder sometimes who the Goetic demon Baal is because I didn't study Goetia for many years. Like I, I was 10 years before I even really looked at it seriously. And then another 20 years after that, before I really started looking into it. So, okay. you know, so that's a, over a long period of time, I've had very different perspectives is what I'm saying. And my, you know, mostly for me, Baal is a God, is like an Ugaritic God, like, a, you know, very similar to, to L, like there was the God L. Sure. And then, yeah. then, then taking over from L was the God Baal. Right. But, you know, means Lord or master. Right. Uh, so, you know, if I'm working with this God Baal, who's a very nice guy, mm -hmm. more or less, you know, he's a little erratic, <laughs> but they're all a little erratic. Well, yeah if you can to take me, a joke he's fun <laughs> yeah it's but it's nothing like i don't understand the relation with that god to the later goetic baal or baal well i i think the goetia was you know a, a collection of demons that existed or were known to exist in, in addition some were probably created for that as well um i wasn't there when it was drawn up so i can't speak you know exactly on it but um yeah we'll pass life regress you next time yeah well yeah maybe i'm up for it um cool. but yeah like I, I so i think that the the ancient canaanite god Baal or ball however you gonna say it uh was you know he was just brought forward into the goetia i mean they put him as the number one demon in there so mm. um so yeah it, it I, I feel it's the same entity or energy. It's just you think some so. People, hmm? You think so, huh? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would explain why he's all pissed off at like being reduced in stature and status. Of course, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, he seems to to be the same in, in my workings with them, but uh, you know.
again, everything's subjective too. I know somebody may have a different uh, methodology or that it, it comes across as different uh, entities to them, but then you also have to keep in mind that he's the twin God too. So, you know, <laughs> so maybe he's just showing you a different side of himself. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I have this feeling that getting back to, to DMT, that mm-hmm. the beings I've encountered there don't seem to have a problem with the fact that they're, they exist in different forms at, at the same time and that those forms can be radically different from each other. But of course, it's still them, which is a concept. And the reason I think that's such an important uh, experience to have in, in the DMT place is because it's a concept that we literally can't identify with in any way, right? It's, it's a signifier of a completely other form of consciousness or understanding of one's self as an entity, right? Basically to, to present as different forms. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're talking to me here over Zoom on a podcast, but you're not also doing something somewhere else with someone else looking different you're just not you're not yeah do yeah you're not also like you know running some country as a military dictator at the same time right doing all these awful things but these beings seem to be able to be doing something good and lovely over here in this loving and kind form of uh, that's helpful and then in over there you know flooding a village well yeah and i i think the other side uh is not bound by our morality in large part or our ethics or the politics of the day, you know? Um, so these entities, I think if you call them forth, they'll, they'll do what you want them to. Um, and it's kind of up to the person operating the, the wheel as far as what, you know, what they're going to be directed to do. Um, yeah, they're like a conscious tool in a way, you know. Um, yeah, at least that's how I've dealt with them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about this stuff, of course, with other serious practitioners. So you, you sound more like a more of a like a witch than a goetic ceremonial magician, for example. Uh, I mean, that's I, true. I've done both. Uh, I've done, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I what I'm wondering to... is how do you uh, so when you operate, how do you how would you work with bail? Like, what's your sort of standard operating procedure? Uh, well, so are we talking triangle and black mirror, or are we talking something yeah. more more witchy? Uh, well, I mean, I'm I kind of curious. Okay, well, um, I've got a magic circle that I painted on a piece of black cloth years ago. Uh, that has like the the Kabbalistic T looking thing in it, and and the, the circle in red or in green with the, the cruel, red. You mean the Thelemite T? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> That's not Kabbalistic. Well, well, but it's based on. It's Crowley. It's Crowley. Oh, well, well, it's pure Crowley. Okay. There's there there, if uh, no Kabbalist would see the letter T in something and be like, oh, Kabbalah, none. Well, but it, it, the. But also the the one square on that it's split into four. I think there it is supposed to be a uh, a map of the Sephiroth. Um, 
I mean, maybe sure. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's it's but... just highly. It's just I'm just saying it's adapted poorly. It has adapted it significantly enough that a Kabbalist wouldn't recognize it. As oh Kabbalist. well, well, yeah, yeah. well, that's well, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm that's yeah. probably exactly the case. Yeah, um, I'm being nitpicky because you know we're talking technicalities. That's what we're talking about. Uh, uh, right, wrong yeah. with being technical when we're talking okay. about technical technicalities, true. right? True, yeah. true. So, so, so you have the a circle with the thelemic T in it. Yep. Um, and divide into four. Now, nothing wrong with any of that. I, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I would just, I would rather have a tet or a tav or whatever. Sure. You want. You know, yeah. I'd put a Hebrew letter in there. Well, and, and I probably will when I make another one at some point. This one's getting a little worn out over the years. <laughs> and Tet's not a bad letter for a magic circle. I mean, look at the Mathers. In Mathers' uh, Lesser Key of Solomon, Gwedia book, he's got Mathers' design, the, the serpent that's tor- that spirals out, right, from the mm-hmm. tail. Oh, yeah. And the yeah, classic yeah. Gwedic circle image, that's that's Mathers' design. Yep. Um, and, and it's got the divine names going from Ehe up at Keter down mm-hmm. through the the whole hierarchy of all the sephira but terminating at the moon levana which is very interesting because it ties into not only well it ties into everything that let's face it the the, the lunar realm is of where course. it terminates and then the magician stands there um what was my point did i lose track <laughs> hmm. Hmm. where was i going with that i, I i'm not entirely sure Oh well. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Um oh you're talking about tet being appropriate and oh yeah. Well think about it. Tet means snake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so like having a letter tet in the middle of a circle would be a nice uh would be uh you know very very closely ties to the the serpent mm-hmm. swallowing its tail that you know Skinner says is so important to have around you for magical protection. Uh, yeah. And so the letter Tet would be cool. I'm just extrapolating. I know it's Crowley's is a Tav. Well, it represents the letter Tav, but hey, why not Tet? Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, you know, Dalit, Mem, Tet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, I've got that. Uh, I'll generally build up. I mean, not generally. I always pretty much build up an altar. Um it depends on the working, honestly. Like it depends on the entity I'm working with and what I'm trying to get out of it. It's I, I, I've studied a whole lot of different methodologies, and so I kind of have my own little hybridized. I don't want to say chaos magic because that comes with a whole lot of baggage, but you know, like I, I grab the tools that make sense to me in my little walk down the <laughs> down oh the rabbit God. hole and more uh, and more doesn't it just seem that people are using the term chaos magic to to justify skipping important steps they don't want to do yeah yeah <laughs> it's I, so sad it came from it started off as such a cool thing and now right. it's devolved into a an excuse for laziness right no when when i decided to kind of like i don't know follow up on chaos magic it was like well uh this is like a thing where you can take pieces from all the different things so to me that was like well i better study all the different things then you <laughs> yeah. know um and so that's what i did and yeah my my methodology is is that in large part you know i for example uh tomorrow a, a group of friends and i are we're going to do a shining ritual oh my god uh, right well so check this out uh because i noticed 
the the Bale uh, clown world reality that we're in. Uh, oh. I, it's kind of a way to hopefully put a close to that. So there's uh, a guy that uh, lives in town here and through personal uh, contact and, and you know relationship with some of his exes, we know that he's a bad, bad, bad person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, he, he actually got arrested and he's going to trial uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. And in order to make sure we put him away, we're doing a shining ritual where uh, we 3D printed a model of the shining maze, right? And we're going to have a little uh, figure representing him and we'll uh, blow life into it with an elder wand or an elder straw. And then we'll take epoxy and freeze him in the middle of the, the shining maze. And just like in the end of The Shining, you know, then we get out and one of basically the, the working of the, the, the ceremony that we're doing is there's, a, I bought a thousand piece Shining puzzle and there's a group of us, we're going to eat acid, do this ritual and put together the Shining puzzle all in one go um, as a way to make sure this guy never gets out. And as a way to hopefully get us out of the clown world, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that sounds like a yeah. That's a very major operation of uh, entheogenic proportions. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, we we do all kinds of stuff like that. There was one time. Um, See the stuff we could do if we were allowed out of our fucking houses. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Well, thanks um, for entertaining me with this, uh, stories of human life and activity. It's nice to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, come on down sometime <laughs> if you want. You know, We're not allowed to. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, but there's a whole big border there that can't be looked at the entire time, right? Like, come on. <laughs> hey, getting getting caught as a illegal Canadian in the States is not is not fun. I mean, it's, you know, if oh. I was from South America, it would be a different story. Yeah, no, that's probably get true. Citizenship as a Canadian, I would get arrested and detained, uh, and put in jail. That's terrible. Canadians are great. I've I've had nothing but fantastic experiences with Canadians. So I don't, I don't know. That's what are, what are you gonna do? They're just trying to keep good people from hanging out. Apparently, is uh, sure. Is what, yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, things will hopefully uh, improve. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, I really, uh, it's thanks for sharing your operation with me. It's very, it's very cool. It's very epic. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, no problem. We, there, there's a group of us and we, uh, you know, when one of us has a divine little inspiration of, Hey, we should do a working to accomplish this. And how could we best go about that in a symbolic way? Because that's how you speak to the subconscious. You know, that's how you make the real magic happen is you work in symbols because it bypasses the conscious mind that way. Um, so, yeah. 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 So what's the, how's the breathing life into the figurine of this person go? You're using an elder straw? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, an elder straw is it's a straw made out of elder wood. Um, Just like it sounds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you it, it's an old 
you know, witchcraft technique, but you basically, you, you do it to like, uh, to voodoo dolls or something like that. Um, where you envision the person that you're wanting that doll to represent, uh, you envision that in your head while you blow air through the straw onto it. And then it's supposed to, uh, you know, basically, you know, manifest that person's, uh, essence into mm -hmm. the into the 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 poppet or the voodoo doll or whatever you're using yeah yeah hmm. any other uh what other are there other spirits or entities that you would use in that in that ritual to cause the effect to occur uh the one that we're or doing tomorrow sort of using pure human will uh are you talking about for tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, Bale. Bale's the oh, one okay. that we're. Yeah. Oh, you are using Bale. Yeah. You know, um, uh, amongst our our group, you know, like we've kind of seen enough things that point to the shining being a, a very Bale uh, infused film, um, and so uh, you know, and symbolically, like if you watch the the movie with that in mind it becomes very apparent after a minute you're like oh shit <laughs> um so yeah so different movies have different entities that seem to make sense you know um yeah i don't know it, get, it gets kind of meta you, you're like okay well this movie embodies this entity so we'll do some kind of working uh with this entity by doing something linked up or mimicking or acting out that movie or a, a character from this show or that show or you know those types of things because you, you're trying to personalize this energy and give it a face in your mind so you can work with it um they they're easier to work with that way so yeah yeah yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's very true about, um, yeah, cinema and popular culture and art as it, it can be used in, in magic. That's something that, I mean, that I don't know if it was probably was chaos magic that noticed that, but yeah, and I think that's a really accurate observation. I mean, the shining lives so strongly and everyone involves consciousness. It's yeah. such an easy current to, to pull on. Yeah. Without without much uh, ambiguity or uncertainty as to what exact what energy am I pulling in exactly? What do I want to focus on? It's like the shining. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was um, horrifying. I can focus on that. Right. And, and with we'll acid, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. And and probably what we'll do too is we'll probably have a Saturn aspect of it as well because Saturn's you know yeah, punishment. Yeah. Um and freezing you into a situation, you know so. We'll probably work Saturn into it, and um, let's see. I was gonna say something else too, but I, it slipped my mind. Shit. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, like I've got. Oh, uh, so I'm in the middle of drawing my own tarot deck, and cool. uh, so we'll probably take a few of the pictures that make the most sense. Uh, for the working and hang them in the dining room we'll, where we'll be putting the puzzle together so uh justice is one 
um, the the version of justice I drew, I, I put Kali in as Lady Justice uh, because I thought I felt justice need a little more teeth in this world that we live in because a lot of people get off with some dumb shit. <laughs> they do. I mean, it makes me wish I could do black magic sometimes. Yeah. But, well, but, well, you know. well, I do. You know, yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> I know. But you, you know, you're lucky you didn't take some vow when you were young. Yeah. Um, so they're stuck with that for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, we all have our own path, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting thing. I like to talk about it with people when whenever it comes up the uh, the black magic of it all, because it it's one of those interesting things that's pretty much been thrown out by modern magic practitioners entirely. Uh, the, the 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 taboo against using magic on p others against their will uh, has basically been wiped out of modern magical practice with the exception of those of us who are trained in traditional orders that have those vows so that's actually quite an interesting sort of it's not i wouldn't call it's not really a power imbalance but it's an interesting imbalance of sorts you know what i mean yeah does oh, that yeah. make sense yeah yeah i don't know if you've thought about this much maybe not because you're free to do it that wilt <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah it's something i think about often and but uh, and other magicians uh, out of the Golden Dawn tradition, generally won't talk to me about it, even when I bring it up. Um, I don't know why. I, uh, I... Yeah, I, the way I see it, um, it's almost like a, a vigilantism. You know, like if you're going to curse somebody, it it takes some energy and it takes some doing. You know, if you're going to make it good, so yeah, you know, just cursing willy nilly is it, it's going to backfire on on you firstly but like secondly that's a whole lot of work for some nonsense mm -hmm. but if there's some injustice you see in the world or some problem or person that is not good like if, and it is objectively not good kind of like oh they talk shit about me not not that kind of not good but like they're knowingly going out and doing harmful things and you don't you know, you don't have access to the police because you don't have like a picture of them doing the thing or the police are ineffective in your area or whatever. Sometimes you have to do something, you know, in order to have a clear conscience about life and you don't want to go up and shoot them or anything like that, you know, so you figure out how to curse them and then, yeah. you, and then you give that a go and you see what happens. And, uh, you know, in my experience, it's worked out all right. Um, never, you've never had any blowback from any of that sort of stuff, eh? No, I've, I've been just in the people that I've cursed. I've made sure they were not good people. You know, I, I've made sure they were shitheads and were up to no good. Um, and at that point, yeah, you know, I, I almost look at it as like your duty to do something, you know, and going back to the twin God dichotomy, it's like the Batman Joker thing, you know, um, you, sometimes you have to be Batman and sometimes you have to be the Joker. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's all good. All right. Sorry for that, folks. Had to have a quick bathroom break. We're back. We are indeed. Or bat, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we're into hour three. What do you want to talk about? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. 
Uh, I, I, that's a good question. <laughs> let's let's talk more about DMT. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, well, any, any interesting? Uh, do you, do you find it sort of surprising how quickly uh, the experiences seem to fade from our memory? Um, they can. Um, I don't know. A lot of the ones I've had have been so ridiculously potent that you you couldn't forget it if you tried. Um, See, I find the most potent ones, like some of them to be so potent. That's why it's shocking that you can't remember them. Like you're, it's intentional. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I usually I have fairly good recollection uh, of, of the things that, that I've encountered there. Um, I started getting into it. I don't know, a good decade or so ago. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and was playing around with it. And there was a guy that I used to work with who was also experimenting with it at the time. And we'd, you know, go home for the weekend and kind of have our own little experiences. And then on Monday at the water cooler, <laughs> we'd, we'd share what kind of strange stuff we'd encountered. And that got went on for a little while. And there was one night, it was like a Sunday night. I was at home and I, you know, did a fair amount of it and um, had an experience, you know, but it was, it was, you know, in line with a lot of the other experiences I had had. Um, and I went to work the next day and we were talking about it and I said, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I feel like I could go further. I'm like, you know, I'm having good experiences. I'm, I'm learning things. I'm getting my sea legs on that side, but I feel like I could go a lot further. And he's like, well, yeah, he's like, you know, but I think it's just part of it. I, he's like, I always feel like that. And so at that moment, I made up in my mind that like that night I was going to make sure I could never say that again. Because mm. um, I was like, no, no, no. If, if I feel I can go further, I can go further mm -hmm. and I'm going to tackle that one. So I came home. And it was March 3rd, 2014. Um, came home that night from work slept took a nap woke up around 11 o'clock and proceeded to load up this i had a very tall glass glass bong at that point it was red and white and i i couldn't even tell you how much i packed into the bowl of of the bong you just packed I, it up just packed it up and then just filled that thing up as much as i could do you just Did, torch straight onto the spice? Uh, I want to say, I want to say that I did. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, always told not to do that, but I tried it a few times and it was fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. But I did at least three of these big chambers of DMT smoke. And it like when you're you probably that, just lose some of it if you torch straight onto it right some of it just burns you, up right you do it's, you it's lose a, not economical right you do lose a little bit what i will generally do is put like a little layer of weed on top yeah of it. a little layer of weed or tobacco 
I yeah. actually find the tobacco more germane to my experiences, though. Okay. All right. Adding anything, I find, uh, affects where I go. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like um, manga. Yeah. Um, and so I did three of these big chambers of it. And, wow. and in like, once you start doing it, like, you have a very limited amount of time that you're still functional. <laughs> oh, right? I know. So I was like, like Indy 500, just like trying to get as much smoke yeah. as I could before you lose all limbic function. Right. And what's very interesting <laughs> is so I, I got all these in me. I set the wow. bong to the side of me and I looked over my left hand shoulder and my friend was sitting there, but I was alone in my room. Right. And he was the drummer in my band at the time. And we had a falling out several years later. Um, but anyway, uh, I look over my shoulder and he's sitting there and I look at him like, what are you doing here? And all of a sudden his face did the thing. Have you ever seen the movie, the movie uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Oh, I grew up on that stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, you know, Large Marge. Oh, yeah. Where her face does the blah thing. That his, like that traumatized me as a kid. Okay. Well, his face did that to me. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then this big black hole opens up behind him and his like weird goblin self like tumbles backwards into this like void, this black hole. And I'm like, like losing my mind. And then I feel myself getting pulled into this black hole. And I don't know when, like, my consciousness broke, right? It had to have broken sometime before I saw him because he was not here, right? Uh, and so I, I tumble with this uh, goblin creature into the, the black hole and then had an experience. Well, okay, so as I was starting to tumble into the black hole, I was having these awakenings in my mind, like one after another of like, oh, so this means that, and this means that, and that means this, like just things made sense that I hadn't made sense of before, but it was like in fast forward, right? And then after I got pulled into the black hole, it was one of those moments where you relive your life like the the, the near-death experience right where you you review your whole life i had that 100 but it was like my life was being played in fast forward on a vcr right and i remember having all these conversations with all these different people throughout my life and i was seeing these conversations though through their eyes almost in a way where it was like i was them telling me the things that i needed to hear through them um and that fast forward through my life lasted up until the point at which i caught up to where reality was where i was taking the big hits of dmt out of the bong uh and at that point when the vision caught up to reality there was this I guess, metaphysical dynamite blast or nuclear explosion that happened. Uh, and all I could, I, trying to describe it, it was it was as if I'd become one with the universe and it was like this big rainbow grid kind of thing. And I was just there in space as God laughing at the big joke that I had just played on myself for the last 37 years. 
And Ooh. I was just all too amused at, at my, the joke I'd pulled on myself. And I thought that I was going to sit there and laugh there in that state forever because I thought that's what eternity was. And then at one point, the thought started to germinate in my mind of, well, maybe there's something I could still do back on the other side. And as soon as that thought started, I felt myself getting pulled like a vacuum back through the time-space continuum or, or whatever you want to say into my body and I woke up immediately set up straight up upright and it was almost like flailing around and realized that as like while I had been away I had knocked my bong over onto myself of so I, I was actually going to joke that that's what you were going to do. And then you did it. Oh, my that's God. what I did. So I wake up and it's like, did. it's like being reborn again. Right. It's like, oh, my God, I'm cold <laughs> and wet and screaming and flailing around. And then I fell over on my side and still had more visions like my I, I went back into it. And my, I remember my eyes feeling like they were slot machine wheels. Oh my and God. I, and then like drooling out of the side of my mouth and just like having all of this, like awakening, or I'd say data downloaded into me, but that's like, how do you say that without being able to like, remember what was downloaded into you. Right. Um, and then I remember I was, you know, like that in that state for a while. And then I'd wake up out of that and find myself in a, like a yoga position and then I'd go back and then like have a vision of being a Jaguar for a minute and then come back. And I was in and out of this state for an hour and a half, maybe. And you're not supposed to have DMT last for more than, you know, 15 minutes at most. And somehow, some way, um, it just rocked me and, and took me and did with, with, did with me what it was going to do and I didn't really have any control over it um but I could never say I I I felt like I could go further after that um (laughs) yeah not without an inhibitor for extended state yeah yeah it was it was a whole thing and I've 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 never been the same since um in a good way it changed your perspective on your whole life oh yeah oh yeah changed everything um Yeah, it gave you gave me an entirely new perspective. Um, I found myself just in conversation saying things that I was like, well, that was, you know, like thinking, I'm like, well, that was kind of wise sounding. And up until that point, I just been kind of a smart ass punk rock guy, you know, <laughs> like I was smart, but like, you know, this is kind of like, where'd the spirituality and the weird insight shit come from, you know? Right. Um, wow. Yeah. And an after effect of that too was really interesting for a few weeks. Anyway, there were times where I would find myself talking to somebody about that experience and I could almost feel like that experience was about to crawl back over onto this side of the abyss and grab me and take me back into that state again. Um, it was, it was kind of unsettling. (laughs) 
because um, I, you know, I'd find myself sitting at, or standing at my office job talking to some woman about real estate. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have an episode of going to DMT land. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, it never totally happened, you know, but it was like, whoa, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Reality has looked slightly permanently different to me ever since all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't think you could come back from something like that and not be changed yeah. in some way. It's, um, it's, it's, it's why I'm like, I've never advocated drugs at all, at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't even get into start smoking weed until uh, doctors pretty much made me when I was 30. Right. Okay. For medical reasons. Um, it saved my life. Okay. And, you know, well, nice. And, you know, then nice. I had to, you know, and then I got better and had my back fixed and all that. And, and got off of it because I was definitely like dependent on it. Um, sure. But better than Oxy. So there you go. And, right. Uh, <clears throat> but, but when I first, after, after trying in DMT and get exploring DMT and 5-MeO, that isn't the same to me as these other so-called drugs, you know? Oh, right. And you no. can always tell the people who are, who are prejudiced because they always call it drugs. They never call it entheogens or plant medicines, right? You know, they, Right. They let you know they're coming for you before you they you, just as soon as they start the convo. True. No, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But that DMT changed it like the connection to our pineal gland, the fact that you really seem to be out of your body. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we know you can go out of your body. Mm-hmm. Why why do people seem so rigid in the idea that you can only go out of your body like while you're asleep or if you're practicing astral travel? or an NDE, but the thing that is produced by your pineal gland couldn't possibly do anything other than cause a chemical confusion in your brain that results in hallucinations. It just, it seems so anti-intellectual and prejudicial to me. Um, And again, it's like, it sounds like virgins talking about their favorite sexual positions. Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree. and uh, but but it's the only thing I've experienced that is so radically different to this reality. It makes me think if you if you're alive and you you never try DMT or five MEO, but specifically DMT, uh, a few times, I just feel like you might have missed the entire point of existence. I really yeah. do think that. I think to live your life and never try that stuff and never get to see what 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 reality might be is like the biggest loss. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, I, I think it's hard to understand what the show's about if you don't peek behind the curtain. Oh, I like that. Um, well, thanks. I, thanks. I just Ooh, came I up with that. that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I credit the DMT overlords for giving me that little nugget. Um, <laughs> title of our sex tape. <laughs> Do what? The title of our sex tape. Uh, oh, yeah, there you <laughs> You'll go. never know what the show's about if you don't peek behind the curtain. <laughs> right. Um, but also, you know, some people, it might not be their path to figure it out this lifetime, you know? Um, well, I don't believe there are other lifetimes. So I think if you blow okay. this one, you're fucked. Okay, well, I mean, th- that could be too. You know, yeah, in, in that's which why I case, think this life matters. If there yeah. was other lifetimes, I don't think our lives would matter that much. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's a good point. It does bring a sense of urgency to the table, you know? I know that's good. not popular in, in the witch world. Um. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's not. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't recall any prior lifetimes, so I can't say that I 100% believe it or don't believe it. I just, 
it, you know, I haven't experienced yeah. it. So plus there's other explanations for people recalling past lives or even the ones where they recall past lives and then they go get a piece of evidence and find out the, the murder weapon, you know, and it's like, clearly that person's reincarnated. How come it's not, couldn't, why couldn't it just be a spirit talking to that person or planting memories or, the, or that person's vibration or soul implanting it or, or marking it on this other open vessel or something like that? That, sure. that to me is just as plausible as someone's soul leapfrogging into another body yeah, shortly I'm after death. I mean that's that's as just uh, just as viable uh, an explanation as any, really. I think you know yeah. who well, who can say exactly what the mechanics of it are. You know. Well, hopefully we will be able to at some point. I hope we keep studying this and talking openly with each other about it and exploring our ideas, even if half of the shit that we say is probably going to be wrong or ninety percent of it's going to be wrong. We got to we got to play with these ideas a bit, otherwise we're never going to ask the right questions exactly play play around with the ideas it like don't get mad if if reality doesn't turn out like your idea did you know like that that there's an expectation on people too of like well this is how it's going to be and then but but what if it's not you know (laughs) yeah one thing dmt made me more comfortable with was the idea of what this what state we'll be in after death i think we might be i think it's possible i never thought we'd be very conscious or aware of ourselves but i think now it is highly possible that we might maintain some form of consciousness after death but i also think we uh, that how we live our life matters more now because of dmt because i saw some realms and went to some very dark places many many times well um, sure often intentionally um and i saw realms that are way worse than any description of hell i've ever experienced and in those realms i got a very clear sense that yes you can spend a lot of time what seems like maybe an eternity in these places if you so choose or if you behave in such a way that you end up there as a fragment of your former self just part of this dark cosmic dance creating reality in one of the less less loving realms you know, yeah. so I feel like it also awakened me a higher sense of uh, ethical responsibility to myself and uh, my my uh, fidelity to truth. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like the Spider Man thing. You know, with with great power comes great responsibility. If you're gonna lift the weight you know by doing the psychedelics and going and figuring these things out or opening those doors then you better be prepared to use what you learn in a good way or it's gonna it will backbite you you know you you will get blowback and your your life will get more difficult um i've seen that happen a whole lot there's a a large group of people over the years that I've known that dabbled with this stuff and didn't take it seriously or, you know, took other things more seriously or whatever. And yeah, just, they just wipe out, you know, something. And it's unfortunate. I hate to see it. I don't, I don't want anybody to have those types of experiences. Um, Well, I think, yeah, you know, I think a lot, a lot of that comes from people who substitute the the substance for the work you know the the, yeah. the plant medicines are meant to supplement other things like they're not substitutes for the thing itself oh no um, you're you're when, absolutely right so yeah. you know the the kukion is a very important part of the eleusinian mysteries 
but it isn't the embodiment of the Eleusinian mysteries. But yeah. I would I would say it's hard to like you know a recent discussion on 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 a forum, you know, had people telling me that that drugs have never and never will play any role in in true spiritual development or mysteries, and I'm like, what about the Eleusinian mysteries? Well, yeah, and and why and, for, and then why did God invent like them? The, the willingness to ignore history for the sake of our own agendas is right because in this day and age daunting yeah. at, to say the least yeah well because people are uncomfortable with something so oh you know i don't like this so god must not like this <laughs> yeah and you know a lot of those people i've i've noticed have never done the work of either their own spiritual work or or even perhaps more important the psychological work like you know most people don't don't spend a year or two with a therapist here and there um, yeah. going through their own mind and, and making sure that they're somewhat congruent with reality yeah. um, before they explore the the boundaries of it of course yeah like studying the mind is is important you know if if you know where you're going uh then you want to have a map of the place where you're going to get to you know and by playing with psychedelics you're going into your mind and psychology gives you a map of what's there and so you can make sense of it and you can see the patterns and the dangers and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's especially important to have come, you know, gone beyond this sort of the integration stage and, and the stage where you're, you understand your responsibility for your life. That's mm -hmm. really important. The oh, people yeah. I see who I see break are usually people who have never, really grappled with their own responsibilities yeah you know they're like looking for a way to understand their their neuroses whereas i think i don't know it just uh yeah i don't know i don't i i think a big pitfall is just succumbing to the ego mm. you know the, the ego doesn't want to sit at home on a saturday night reading a 200 year old book about kabbalah sure as hell does it it wants to be out partying right and there's time for that but there's time to do the uh the, the reading and the studying and the meditation and you get some people they just they they want to wear it on their coat like it's a badge that oh i did this thing even though they didn't really do it it's you know yeah. stolen valor kind of almost you know for those of us that have done the work <laughs> yeah yeah, meditation's important. I agree. Very, very important. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, Ray's been doing a whole lot of that lately. Oh, yeah. She's been trying out uh, the Crowley balancing the sword in the head, and, and it's really cool to hear her progress and, and the excitement when when that has been achieved, you know, to master those those techniques is, is an exciting thing because, you know, if you put it in is. time, you will, you will be able to do it. Yeah. And, and, and you you get the sense that, you know, you're on the path, you're doing yeah. the thing, you know, and, and in my experience, you know, it, it opened the right doors to put me in the right places to meet the right people or to make the right connections and do the things I'm doing now, you know, so it's, it's been a, a great journey, but you have to do the work, you know, nobody else is going to walk the path for you, you know. Do you still play in a band? Uh, not currently. Uh, what do you band, play? Uh, guitar mainly. Nice. Um, 
yeah the the last band that i was in broke up right before everything got weird with 2020 um we played our last show in like february 2020 and then we broke up and then everything went haywire and there's not really been much in the way of a music scene to take advantage of or to gear up another project for you know so i've just been kind of practicing keeping my chops up and stuff but there's there's not really much in the way of bands at the moment unfortunately yeah not only not only did they cancel music here but we can't even practice at home like a lot of the buildings we're in uh put in new rules like stricter rules so like i can't even practice oh geez that's rough they'll evict you right away if you're if you're making any noise or something. Oh my God. You know, yeah, yeah, I can practice quietly, but that's not really the same thing. Right, yeah, Especially if you're like a, you know, if I play bagpipes, I play flute. Oh, nice. You know, as a vocalist, like practicing at half volume isn't really how exercising your voice works. You've got to do it at max volume. Otherwise you're not stretching it and uh, keeping it in shape because if you don't stretch it to its max, then when you go perform at max, you blow it out. Yeah just how it works so it's been shitty they did they brought back music uh a little bit last year and then in the autumn winter they said we could book gigs so i booked 24 gigs for 2022 um at 300 bucks a gig for just me so solo shows which you know i'm very good at this and i'm very good at what i do and then december 22nd the new rules came in place and just terminated all of it uh yeah yeah and And they raised our rent it was a wonderful uh, month. Plus, they canceled Christmas, New Year's, all of that stuff. You know, unless you're rich. Well, well, of course, or, or part of the, you know, yeah. the government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have more than a small amount of fury against this country right now. Yeah. Well, and that's They're literally trying to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand why people have this idea in their head that the people in the government that they've never met are somehow their friends working on their side. No. Like, like you've never met this person. I there's been people I've known for six years. And I didn't realize what a shithead they were until they finally showed their true colors. You you think you know somebody in a government building yeah, yeah. that you've never even been in the same room yeah. as? You, you know that they're on your side, do you? And they're good people, huh? Like you're just you're just kidding yourself at that point. Well, you know, I was raised to believe that. Like I would, we were oh, yeah, I was me too. The, growing up in the eighties, I was raised to believe that the government was there to protect us and take care of us. And sure. it's been a very, I really wish I wasn't taught that because since being an adult, it's been just one very excruciatingly painful journey into understanding how much the government is here to hurt us. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. In fact, it's almost like that's their sole purpose. They just have to do it in crafty ways to keep us from figuring it out. Certainly seems like it. Yep. You know, like fuck. Like it the list. I'm trying to think of a good example, but it's like there's just too many. There's way too many. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Like the Tuskegee experiment. Like sad times, man. Yeah, but you know, that's that's when you get the the thing of like revolution happening, you know, and uh which makes for better times eventually you just have to you just have to do the dirty work of kicking out the the bad people or the parasites or whatever you want to call them you know yeah because they don't go willingly you know you, you got to get in there and kick their ass out unfortunately <laughs> yeah 
psychopaths don't don't take pleas as a, a valid request <laughs> yeah yeah so you're gonna start up a new project new band uh ideally yeah yes. I, i'd love to um it's just a matter of finding the right the right people and having the the shared vision you know um yeah no yeah, i've been doing trick. this it can be yeah i mean i've been in bands for about 26 years um and yes when it's clicking and it's great everything's dynamite but then sometimes you know ugh, when it's bad it's real bad <laughs> yeah yeah at a certain stage like i'm at the age now where it's like no more group visions it's it's more like creative driving creative force and then people do what they're told because and a lot of musicians get that way as as we're older because we just don't have time anymore to play mix and match well uh, will it work you know especially when there is a creative driving creative force with a vision it's like hey let's create that vision eh you know because right. it's a coherent vision with pre with songs already written let's just do that we'll do it as a team we'll make it as good as it can be and if it flies hallelujah and then everyone can do whatever they want right yeah yeah it, it's it's tough finding people that you know have the 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 time to dedicate to it and that have uh the time that they already have dedicated to it to getting you know adept at their instrument uh and and like having any kind of musical theory knowledge uh in the musician scene if you're not like a classical person it like it, it's just good luck you know you're, you're you're needle in a haystack trying to find people that can like that understand get, what it means to go from one to seven yeah yeah or hey uh for this course let's move it up a step you know they look at you like what but oh never mind i guess and those bands <laughs> can work great if you do share a vision and if you grow together and if you're young enough to have the time to do that right yeah yeah but i'm i'm 45 right now you know i'm not trying to like school other 45 year olds on how to like you know make sense of the chromatic scale <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally awesome what was your last band called uh drugs in the carpet <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a band here in vancouver that's quite popular called cocaine mustache oh nice nice <laughs> yeah our stuff's our, our stuff was up on Bandcamp. it was actually is one of my favorite bands i've been in um it was a, a four piece i was the guitar there was a bassist a drummer and a vocal um the vocalist she could sing like crazy and she had all kinds of attitude and <laughs> and it worked out great i'll have a um, listen yeah yeah um yeah i thought they were they were good we, we put out a good couple albums the the, oh, the two that i was on anyway um the two later ones i thought were were decent but um yeah i don't know it was fun yeah but uh yeah that'll work its way around and until then i've uh yeah i've just been throwing myself into doing my tarot cards um yeah so you're I, making your own deck uh why don't we talk about that about about that for a bit before you have to we have to go sure yeah um tell us more about that so uh you know making a tarot deck is a form of path working um and uh so i started this project in 2015 um and 
I'd done a few random tarot based designs for band t-shirts and just like for messing around, you know, hanging up at the house or whatever. Um, but at one point I just decided, well, I'm going to like do this for real. Uh, and so I just started in on it and each one is 34 by 55 centimeters. I, I use the Fibonacci, uh, to, to lay out the foundations for them. Um, and uh, I'm about to wrap up the tower right now. I've got like another day of work left on it to do probably, or I could do it tonight. And that'll be the 14th uh, one that I'm, that I've completed um, of the, of the major arcana. Um, and that usually takes me about between one and four months a piece the quickest mm. one was like one month um and i don't know how i did that one so quick but it it, it just did um but yeah uh so yeah like the i'm working on the tower the one i did prior to this was fortune uh and hangman but anyway are you, uh, are you painting them or drawing them uh drawing uh by doing full color i use prismacolor pencils okay um and if you if you use mineral spirits and the little like smudges things you can blend them really good because the mineral spirits break up the wax that they use in prismacolors so you can almost get more of a like a paint kind of quality to them but oh, cool. with but with really good control you know because with painting sometimes it's you know it's a little bit trickier a little bit trickier to control them um so yeah, so I, I just hang out up in my room and kind of like meditate upon the meetings. And I, I try to pretty much like capture the archetypical uh, character behind each card. So for the hangman, uh, I used Odin hanging off the world tree. Uh, and for the fortune card, I made it look like a, a fortune teller. Oh, like wow. a, yeah um for the chariot i did uh i made it care on the the ferryman that ferries people back and forth across the river sticks to the land of the dead um let's see for the hermit i made him santa claus um <laughs> that's great yeah yeah uh the pope uh or, or the hero fan is a is an alien pope guy levitating <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah um the empress is a like a half human half queen bee type entity um mm. yeah so like i, I i'm just kind of doing that i guess are you skilled uh, at drawing uh yeah i i mm. i, I I hate to like toot my own horn a little bit, but yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no, I wish I was. That's the reason I've not done things like that is just because I, I, you know, despite going to an art school for 13 years, I'm just not, not really talented at it. Yeah, I mean, it it takes a certain brand of craziness and uh, the amount of time to just sit in your room for months at a time drawing pictures. <laughs> but... Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a, a dream to make your own tarot deck. Though. Are you using large uh, boards to put it on? Uh, like how big are they? Uh, the the cards are, you know, it's like, like I said, uh, like thirty four by fifty five centimeters. So the the paper itself, before I like carding off like the border aspect of it, are eighteen by twenty four. 
inches. Um, so nice and and large. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're pretty big. Um, so it takes a while. Um, but I can just cram so much detail and symbolism and everything into the designs. Like when I gear up to prepare to do the next, you know, each one, I, I go through night side of Eden, uh, and read the corresponding chapter that deals with that tunnel of set or the, you know, where that one would lie correspondingly, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the book of Thoth. Uh, yeah, I, I do my research on each one. I take notes, I do up concept sketches. Um, and you know, finally kind of like eventually the, it'll, it'll start to hold water and then, and then it just flows out, you know? So yeah yeah they're fun they're fun they they get very meta at a point where you're like i'm drawing a picture of something and i'll look up at a news article it's like oh well the thing the exact thing i'm drawing is uh the exact thing that's happening in the news right now um so that that gets fun uh i think for some people it's kind of gotten a little unsettling spooky yeah it's very fun oh it's super spooky super spooky but uh yeah i like it um yeah the strength card i i made it uh like a wizard of oz kind of thing where dorothy's the girl with her hand on the lion so oh wow yeah um cool maybe you can show me some uh images sometime yeah i'd love to i'd love to um yeah i don't know uh i could send them to you somehow i'm sure yeah yeah or i'll put it i'll put them in the little group chat thing yeah yeah yeah. totally thanks that'd that'd be super cool to see yeah yeah we'll have to uh we'll have to do uh have you back at some point uh, and do a video podcast and you can maybe show some off oh yeah i'd love to that'd be great oh that'd be sweet yeah yeah damn well i can't believe how fast time flew gabriel yeah it's been a minute huh (laughs) (laughs) that was really fast it feels like we've been yeah that's that was a fast podcast it's like we're almost at like three hours um cool. i have a bit more time i can talk I, but i do have to get some things done because uh, we did we did this sort of we kind of planned this kind of spontaneous planned it but no time right yeah so yeah it worked never, out yeah i'd never spoken to you before now so this is kind of fun <laughs> i know i love that's the way i used to do it in the early days of the podcast you know back when covid started i would mean, some of the episodes even have me uh ring because i was just i i was only i only had a phone for a lot of covid in in the states okay and so you can hear like the the dial ringing on a facebook call on the <laughs> podcast and then the person answered it's like hey and then like when do we start the podcast I'm like oh we started 10 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is that was the all i was able to do with the technology i had for a while so you know it started off pretty low tech and it was just a desperate uh, attempt to keep myself sane while imprisoned Oh yeah, no, it, it's great that you're doing this. I I, uh, I went through and listened to some of them, and yeah, I was entertained. I think they're very good, very well oh, done. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're well done, but I enjoy. I have them. fun. I have fun. Thanks. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's a uh, a lot of people tell me that I need to do it like Glitch Bottle, and I think no, I need to not do it like Glitch Bottle. Everything should not be like everything else, and Glitch Bottle is not a conversation. It's not two people talking. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the fact that we, you know, we might be off topic or, you know, this is like this podcast is a natural dialogue and it goes natural places and sometimes it's shitty and sometimes it's great. It's just conversations, you know, and I don't understand the fact 
that so many people these days just want all communication to be pre-planned, pre-planned, pre-recorded, edited, and and curated. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, no, I, it's like, I'm with it's you. Like, no wonder people don't know how to talk to each other anymore. They're used to everything in sound bites, and and the glitch bottle's fucking great, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not a it's not a live dialogue podcast. Right. That, and that's always been my favorite type of interview and stuff to read, too. You know, like just the back and forth. Here's transcribed out what the people said, you know, like. A, yeah. 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 I mean, it's good because it makes sense if you're talking to just authors nonstop, they have they have their their things they want to say so you, they can record it and send it to you and you can record your questions afterwards even. <laughs> but, oh, geez. Well, that's fine. Like if you're talking to authors all the time, it makes sense. And then, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time talking to authors sometimes, mainly because like even I'll do like I'll do 20, 30 hours of prep and then they bail the day of or the minute of it starting. And then I'm like, wow, I just like just I just burnt a week's work of work you know oh wow yeah yeah so it's like i'd rather talk to people with no prep sometimes because then i don't you know burn my precious fucking time well yeah well that it's i don't know i i think things are more fun especially in musical sense if you can do some improv you know like yeah i that's why i like talking to musicians yeah yeah just you you learn how to do it off the cuff you're fine (laughs) not an interruption it's a it's a dissonant note (laughs) right it's a breakdown (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i like that yeah sweet well uh yeah i hope you have a lovely day and where is it you're at in the world again kalamazoo michigan so oh, right a yeah, michigander so, oh yeah yeah, yeah. i actually I went really to like east lansing for a weekend once okay yeah i've yeah. played there a bunch of times oh i just hung out in the in the bar in the university okay talking yeah. to professors oh well, i mean that could be fun too probably it was very fun it was very fun that's where i got it. i went there to interview for my phd and oh nice got in with nicholas Goodert clark and that was a great great day great great weekend in my life super cool yeah, yeah. but i'd love to get back to uh those parts of the eastern more easterly states i'd love to see more of america one day yeah well i really only have seen the parts of it yeah well if you're ever in this area you can kill a couple t- birds with one stone because ray and i live about quarter mile away from each other maybe half a mile so yeah well you know um once the world gets to something sane again like yeah a, tour, a touring visa for the states for us is really uh, we, canada and america fortunately have good music relations it's only like 1200 bucks for a full year of me being able to live in and work as a musician in the states oh, okay yeah so that's like and it's automatic it's like there's no questions or anything just 1200 bucks get a year visa oh nice and can play music Cool. Yeah, so that's uh, that's always an option, but yeah, no, I'm applying to universities uh, in the states, and uh, we'll hopefully get a job at one of them. Cool. Yeah, that'd be so great. When the world gets back to something, I don't well, know. There's well, no we're doing it again. We're doing our part tomorrow to try and get us out of clown world. So you know, we're 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 putting our energy into the into the pro uh, the the process. So <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. May the power of Mrs. Torrance be with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> red rum, red rum, red rum. <laughs> That's a great note to end on. <laughs> it is. It is. Mr. Zaleski. No relation yeah. <laughs> that we know of. Not, not that we know of. All right. I guess we'll uh, wrap it up, man.
This right. Well, great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah. Thank you. Total stranger. And the, you, you were, yeah, you were wonderful to talk to. I really want to talk to you again about all these things. All right. I, great. I love how you just jumped into DMT too early on. I was like, wait, I thought we were talking about Kenneth Grant. And you're like, well, DMT. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they, they, they're kind of intertwined in a way in my experience. So, you know, you can't kind of, you can't pull. Yeah, I can't do one without the other in a way. You That's know, totally so. what this podcast is for. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so Perfect. speaking of Kenneth Grant, when you do DMT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, Great. Give my love to Ray. And for those listening, she did an episode of this podcast. She's a, a high priest of a witch coven there. Uh, Alexandrian, I believe, right? Or is it Sanders? Yeah, yeah, yeah Alexandrian. Uh, yeah. Alexandria. She's yeah. very cool. And she's a comedian. Oh my God. She told me some of her new bits and I was like almost in tears just thinking about them. Oh my God. I can't yep. wait to see more comedy. Yep. No, raise comedy and music, man. Next time we'll talk about the conspiracy to destroy comedy and music in the world and why they would be doing that. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? The first thing you want to destroy is the artists. Of course. Like yeah. All our venues Shut here are just destroyed. The whole yep. music industry is destroyed here, you know, yep. except for the corporate ones. Yep. Shut yeah. everybody up. Make sure they can't laugh. And, you know, ugh, it's ugly, ugly business. Yeah. We just actually in Canada, we just re, we just sued a Canadian comedian or a comedian. I don't know if he's Canadian, just got sued the second time for the same joke by the same person. So the first time he had to pay $30,000. Because if you tell a joke in Canada that people don't like, you have to pay $30,000. What? We've charged that. To, we've two Canadians have had to pay it. Oh, yeah. Or you go to jail. Oh um, my god! And the same comedian is getting charged for the same joke again. Um, wow! I don't know the details because I really don't care. It's just fucked up. That is. That's incredibly fucked up. That's yeah. not. That's not good for anybody. That's. Oh well. Well, things Welcome always get. A, yeah, things get a little weird before the revolution happens. That's just <sighs> how, how it works. <laughs> honk honk. Yep. I'm All right, in clown world, <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel. A pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah, yeah. Thank you doing this with me, man. All right, no, no problem. Till next time. Yeah, till next. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works. Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.com co.uk that's hermetic science enterprises.co.uk and as a lot of you know i've uh, talked with the publisher lenny on the podcast before including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the patreon and uh seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of scott's discovery of witchcraft which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.